Today is Tuesday, November 14th, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Oh boy, today, man, this is the day I've been waiting for. We actually have good stuff all day long. Uh, We talk about the blue beast who says there is proof that there is no God because uh, Megan Rapinoe fell down when no one was around and had an injury. So um, I'd say, if anything, that's proof that she is the embodiment of the fool discussed in Proverbs. Anyway, then we talk about some other political stuff, hit and miss, uh, intertangled with uh, Christian stuff, different Christian, uh, goodness, it's like more Christian pastors saying crazy stuff, and uh, Christian musicians, artists, all all going the way of the world, I guess. Um, well, I mean, it's happening, but anyways. So we talk about that, <laughs> conspiracy theories for just a little bit, uh, entertaining what's going on, and where conspiracy theory is really just tomorrow's news. And where uh, today's news is really just all lies. Anyway, so at what point should the line be drawn? How far do you go before you're like, no, no, that's too far. Let's go back. We talk about that. Um, Christians integrating with World Economic Forum policies. Gee, I'm sure that's fine. Um, let's see. The dead babies. The recently killed dead baby because universal health care is so great that this, uh, against the parents' wishes, the government, um, who is ultimately in charge of this child, says, nope, pull the plug, baby dies. That is a sad state of the world. Then we talk about uh, complicated baptism courses. What is required? Should you have to go to weeks of training to be baptized? No. Like the Ethiopian eunuch dude that was on his way to like, you know, well, I guess Ethiopia, um, you know, had the guy with me who's reading the scrolls. He's like, hey, this says I need to be baptized. There's water. What's stopping me, right? He's like, yep, jump in the water. He got baptized right then. It did not take weeks. So if you are a believer in the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, Jesus is God. Jesus is who he says he is. You repent, believe. uh, Jesus can give you eternal life, make you born again. You want that. You want to be his disciple. You want to follow Jesus. Go jump in some water. Get baptized. Grab another believer. Be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Just like Jesus says in the Great Commission. You do not need a five-week, hour-and-a-half-long course each time before you get baptized. Go get baptized. Jesus says do it. That's your course. Do it. Um, anyways. <laughs> we mix theology and politics here. <laughs> so then we go back to uh, electric vehicles and carbon pr- footprints and climate change. And, uh, you know, look look at what people do more than what they say. So whenever they say the world's going to be underwater, you know, in five years, unless you change say, things now, and that was 12 years ago, and the first thing they do is go buy multi-million dollar properties right on the beach, um, you know, they probably don't believe what they're saying. Uh, otherwise, they would not buy property that they think would be underwater. Um, anyway, then we talk about, uh, oh, oh, gas ban, like gas ban and fracking in New York State and stuff like that. Um, someone who lives up there was talking about the economic structure of all, the, all of it and everything. And then Ask a Christian gets straight up taken to the woodshed. Um, there is a very, well, it's a, it's a person we've known for a long time, so it was really kind of disheartening that something just hit a nerve. And I got in trouble when I wasn't even there. I had ran for the hills yesterday, and um, I still got in trouble for something Mother Steph did. So, ahem, finger wag. Anyway, apparently she monitored a dude that's like not a Christian, but it was a gag, and it lasted like 10 seconds. Anyway, this, I, I guess, very new type of Christian who we've known for a while um, has just encountered shenanigans that we pull. So, so it's, it's, I'm like, how do you not know we do stuff like this? We have fun. Like, you know, we're kind of sarcastic and snarky and, you know, there, there's a fair amount of shenanigans that we get into. So, you know, if you had no idea from talking to us, that's kind of our personalities. Anyway, um, 
they were wondering how we can possibly let someone talk to us who, you know, doesn't believe Jesus is God, the Trinity, and this type of thing. We're like, that's like 90% of the people we talk to. Um, so it's like, how can we do it? Well, we're not letting them preach. Like, you know, we challenge that. We don't let them preach. We, we don't want people preaching their nonsense. Um, but if someone wants to say, how do you know what to talk about? Unless you're like, hey, what do you believe? Do you believe Jesus is God? No. Well, I guess that's something to talk about. Like, how do you know unless you, you let them talk a little bit? Uh, you know, some people think other religions are the way. Are we going to ban them from speaking? Well, we don't know what they're going to say until they say it. So then when they say it, we talk to them about it. Uh, anyway, so uh, there was a contention, and, and apparently they are mad at us and do not want to come to ask a Christian anymore. So that sucks on one hand. On the other hand, um, maybe you need to spend some time, you know, in a, like a hardcore discipleship program with other believers to build up that person's faith. Uh, you know, not all things for all people. And, uh, you know, to those who have a stronger faith and know what they believe and why they believe it and are grounded and can hear some people discuss, um, you know, why they think the Bible is all fairy tales and flawed and God isn't real or their God is real and ours isn't, um, you know, maybe, maybe that is geared toward a certain type of person like that. So anyways, um, as much as we want to be accommodating and please everyone, we can't. So the goal is to follow God, fulfill the mission we believe we're given, which is to have these conversations and explain what biblical Christianity actually is and challenge people that want to challenge us. Not in a yelling, screaming, mean way, but like, hey, why do you believe this? Like, this is what the Bible says. This is why I think you should believe it. Have you considered this angle? Have you considered these things? Maybe you should. Anyway, all right, that's all I got. Uh, they're still going. Pastor Mark and Steph and Michael show up, and it's an awesome conversation. Share these links, check out the Ask a Christian store, grab a t-shirt, support this podcast, doing what I've just talked about for like 10 minutes, and you can also read the Ask a Christian book for free with Kindle Unlimited on Amazon. We will see you next time. Later. Yeah, I think like a big sabbatical is in order. I'm just like looking through the stuff. Uh, let's see, looking through Dissenter and Protestia. And... <laughs> Yeah, so thanks for that. You gave me something to talk about when no one's here to talk with. <laughs> um, let's see. We have, Oh, man, so much stuff. Uh, some of the quick ones. We have gay-affirming Switchfoot singer. How sad is it, man? It's like, a, oh, it's so stupid. It, like, goes on. Like, this guy's, like, apparently he's, like, all in the LGBT, like, you know, gay-affirming, PS, all that stuff. And, uh, you know, he's like, we recognize Christians have hurt the homosexual community. Not as much as the people throwing them off roofs. How about that? How about that? Can we talk about that? No, we can't. Like, goodness. <laughs> like, like, go address the people throwing gay people off buildings, and then let's talk about how you have bad feels because it calls gay sex a sin. Like, I'm willing to do that. Like, we'll talk about your poor little gay feelings and, you know, where the Bible hurt you um, after you go talk to the people throwing people off roofs. Um <laughs> Let's see. Not to be outdone by little British baby. Oh, where'd he go? Is Gregory something? Uh, after uh, you know his parents, did you hear that story? It's like he had some like a bunch of birth defects and things like that, but he was kept alive and well and all that. Um, and the parents didn't want him to die, but the government, you know, because universal health care, it's a right, it's a guaranteed right, except by the people they murder using it. So you know they oh, pulled yeah. the plug and killed him. So they killed killed little baby Gregory. Um, Let's see. The big elephant in the room is the blue-haired former soccer-playing abomination. 
Did you see that meme, meme like oh, Megan Rapinoe? Yes. Like it is so infuriating. Like she is the um, she it they what whatever they are legion for their many like whatever it is. <laughs> um, dude, it is the full embodiment. Fire this morning. People, I, I, people were awful. Like, dude, it's a minute long clip. She's like, oh, you know, I was unfairly got injured and no one was around. That's proof there is no God. The only thing that's proof of is she is the embodiment, the walking, living, breathing embodiment of the fool of the entire book of Proverbs. That's what that's proof of. Like, you, just, what do you do with that? You just can't do anything. Like, it, it's so far beyond the pale. It, it, oh, she just jumped the demonic shark. Get more blue hair dye. Man. Maybe the blue hair dye affected her cognitive abilities? Is that maybe a thing? Man, maybe we're going to find out in like 10 years that like blue hair dye and green hair dye like <laughs> dropped the IQ points for like a whole bunch of people. I mean, it's becoming kinder to just say people are demon possessed. It's like, well, you know, the demon's messing with them. Like that, that's like the, that's like the sympathy vote. Used to be like, oh, you're possessed by a demon. It's like, now that's like the most sympathetic thing. It's like, okay, if you're not demon possessed, you're completely insane and off the rails. So, you know, it's probably probably easier on you if you just say you have a demon. I mean, you know, get that taken care of too, but I mean. Yeah, I mean, you know. Oh my Lord. Who's John, who's John Hunt? Do you know who John Hunt is? Mm, it sounds familiar. Who is he? Dis I don't know. Disgraced Pastor John Hunt tearing up the preaching circuit. Let's let's see why I guess. Um, Johnny Hunt uh, looks like a young Jimmy Carter, former SBC president and current pastor. Johnny Hunt has been preaching so many churches events lately. You'd forget he's completely disqualified from ministry after having been outed as having um, engaged in what's described as a brief uh, a brief consensual extra. Okay, so adultery. Okay, well I guess he's preaching about lots of stuff. Well, because, of course, because the end game of, you know, all this stuff is somehow leftism. There was another article. Where was it? I didn't understand it. Oh, let's see. The Archbishop of Canterbury says Hinduism is cool. Um, well, because, of course. Goodness, where is that article? I would love to get your take on this if I can find it. It's something I didn't understand. Oh, um, how the... L-A-U-S-A-N-N-E movement, how the Lausanne movement is hijacking mm -hmm. Christianity to jumpstart a global Marxist revolution. Part one, what is the Lausanne movement? So it was started by, remember we were talking about Billy Graham yesterday, oh boy. <laughs> ironically enough. Can't was, catch a break, poor Billy. Poor Billy. Um, he started this movement in the 70s, and basically it was to try to unite um evangelical efforts across the globe and what ended up happening this isn't billy graham's fault but what ended up happening is it got hijacked by a bunch of leftists to promote social justice and so it's become like a social justice agency hmm. so ostensibly it was all about like hey we need to evangelize the world which no one's going to disagree with that all the way down to hey we need to institute Marxism to evangelize the world because that's oh. always a good idea. <laughs> the Lass yeah, everything you say, 1974, Billy Graham, let's see. The Lusane, is that how you say it? Lusane, Lusane, Insane, Lusane yeah. movement? Insane in the membrane. <laughs> insane in the brain. Um, 
<laughs> the same movement has openly admitted to mirroring the World Economic Forum. <laughs> Wonderful! And its approach and globe, uh, goals, and many of Lassine's prominent figures are directly involved in the WEF, like Davos. Wonderful! I'm not, not going to say that your conspiracy antlers are tingling right now, but I'm going to say your conspiracy antlers are tingling. I mean, is it even conspiracy at this point? Like... <laughs> I mean, it's not wrong, maybe, maybe right? Not. Like all the all the quote conspiracy uh, stuff. Um, it's just like you know they, they're racking up wins left and right. Like the the real media that has your best interest at heart. Um, you know they haven't been right on a single thing in like five years. Five years. But wow. Nate, but Nate, we're supposed to love the world and everything Jesus in the for world. Everyone. God loves oh, wait. everybody. I got that I got that backwards. It was do not love the world and everything in the world. I quoted it wrong. See what I did there? <laughs> We've got a WEF packet for you, complete with Wayfair cabinets for 150 grand named Rebecca. No? With the what now? What? The Wayfair cabinets. Have you not heard that? What? No? What are you talking about? Even Steph's heard, well, of course Steph's heard that. No, it was like a thing going around. You know, it was a conspiracy, but I mean, you know, it's probably true. <laughs> it's like on Wayfair, like it was It was like a couple of years ago, maybe a year or two ago. Okay. And they were saying how um, it was just creepy, right? Like all these like different cabinets, like when you looked up like baby cabinets for baby's room and stuff, all this furniture was like, you know, $100, $200, dollars $300 for like cabinets and desks and drawers. And like armoires and wardrobes. But then you would see a bunch of them priced for like, you know, eighty, ninety, a hundred and fifty thousand dollars for like a wardrobe. And they were named like like little girl names, like Daisy, Rebecca, like Jenny. It's like what what is the possible what? reason? So the conspiracy is basically Wayfair was involved in human trafficking. <laughs> so you would get your uh, you, you know, you would get your baby desk set up delivered to your house named Jenny that you paid like $90,000 for, and there would be a child in it. Oh. Children cost so, that much? I, you wouldn't think, like, Can't I heard one time you could, buy, you could buy, like, a child slave in Nepal for, like, four U.S. dollars. Anyways, so that would be the kind of conspiracy where I'm like, you know, that's a little far-fetched. I mean, what possible reason would they have for doing that? Is it, like, a long con? Is it a big joke? Is someone trolling all the crazy people? Um... I would be more inclined to say it's something like that, hmm. but anyway. So, so then if you if that's your that's kind of your threshold for crazy conspiracy, then go back to everything else we were just talking about, and that's basically going to be tomorrow's actual news. <laughs> huh? Crazy man. Well, I never would have saw that coming. Well, you never it, saw that I'm, coming. <laughs> I mean, it is getting easier, right? When Jesus says, you know, if you love your life, you're going to lose it. You got to if you hate your life or whatever, you'll find it. Man, it is getting easier and easier to. To dislike this world, and uh, you know, by extension, uh, I, I I held no great attachment to my life here. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know the whole like baby girl thing that you know she died because a bunch of bureaucrats didn't want her to live. Like, that's pretty upsetting. Wait, no, you talking about Larry? Huh? The the dude? the dude? Oh, I thought it was a a female baby. But there have been a, there have been a few. I'm sure there was a female one too. But this one's about baby Gregory. Okay. Well, this the, the I think the latest one was a girl. But anyway, 
let's just she just died yesterday um and uh yeah it was like everybody who is involved with that like they need to be prosecuted like but they won't be and this is like where we get you know divine justice divine justice is well yeah they won't be prosecuted they're following the law it's their law i know i mean evil Pagan gonna pagan. <laughs> I mean, but ugh. and all these people running around like, yeah, I'm pro-Palestinian. That means I'm pro-murdering as many Jews as I can get my hands on. Like what? <laughs> like when did that become a thing? Does anyone ever do like a state of the world, like for like from a Christian perspective, like how there's all these like stupid state of the unions that no one cares about? Does, is there like a Christian movement to like a state of the world? Be like, get ready, the end is near. The, the end, end is, is seriously nigh. nigh. Seriously freaking nigh. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know. Seems like something we could do. I will accept this. Um, well, I mean, yeah, that's it, right? Like the world, the world sucks. It's all doomed. Get right, repent. The end is near. Done. I mean, <laughs> Done till next year. It seems like we can gather a whole bunch of stuff and just have like you know how they used to in the eighties they would have. This is a very special blossom, you know. It's like a very special, you know, because they're going to talk about some kind of weird, heavy thing like blossom gets her. First period or something. It's a very special what? blossom, right? <laughs> right, yeah. They would, like, t- tackle some kind of, like, on a kid's show, they would tackle some kind of, like, adult topic. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a very special AAC with your host, Nate. And he's going to put on his uh, his Mr. Rogers sweater, and he's going to give us a state-of-the-world address. Stand by, kids. How this turned into a kids show? I, I, I mean, have you heard some of the childish things that we hear here and here? <laughs> like getting injured at a stupid soccer event uh, when there's no players around means it's uh, proof there's no God, or like a sign of God's judgment and God is laughing at the fool. I kind of take it as proof there is a God because, you know, she's horrendous. So there is that. Disgusting. Like, I don't usually use such uh, fighting words, but goodness, things like disgusting and abomination seem to just be very applicable here. Maybe she should use more fighting words. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they already hate, you know, they already hate Christians for, like, you know, saying, like, the Bible calls, you know, one thing you're doing. And 612 other things everyone else in the world is doing sin. So they can hate us. Well, if that's their standard for hate, I mean, I guess just go all the way. Like, repent, turn, or burn. Could be. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. See, there's just all kinds of crazy things going on in the world. And uh, I think that we, having a biblical perspective on things can can add some sane 
things to the dialogue, but then people just don't want to have a sane discussion, do they? There just seems to be a, a lack of wanting to have a sane discussion. Well, you can't reason with crazy. I mean, it's like, what, what's the nice. secular version of take the, you know, take the log out of your own eye before you worry about the speck in your brothers? Ooh. Is there a secular version of that? Because seriously, I mean, it's like you, you can't have a conversation about how evil Christianity is and how bad they're persecuting you when you're not going to talk about other people who are actively trying to murder you. It's like, no, no, murderers. I mean, it's like Barabbas. Goodness, or the other dude on the cross. Like, you know, the murdering psychopath. And they're like, no, no, Jesus says things that are mean and are offensive to us. Let the murderer go. It's like, you, you just can't even, you can't even talk. It's almost just like, you know, just, just throw me in an arena. Just feed me the lions. I'm ready. Just, just let's get it over with. Yeah, yeah. Either we'll dangle this thing or, you know, we'll be with our maker shortly. Just <laughs> do it. Do it. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. There's like, there's no end to this nonsense, though. It just seems like there's always some kind of crazy thing going on. And it's, I don't know. Is it's it like a the, sign of the time? <laughs> it's like the satanic gift that keeps on giving. 100%. <laughs> So I guess just enjoy it while we can. And, uh, you know. Are you saying eat, drink, and be merry? For tomorrow you die. Is that the Bible or is that from 300? No, it's, that's from the Bible. The, the for tomorrow you die part? Yeah. What's the context of that? Um, I don't know. Let's look it up. <laughs> yes, we should probably use the Bible at some point. Right. This is a fun day. I didn't have high hopes for this, but I'm enjoying this conversation. You and I always have good conversations. First Corinthians um, 15.32. And let's see. Let's go to the ESV. Goodness, people. I don't need every Bible translation. I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, that I die every day. What I do to gain it, what do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus, if the dead are not raised? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. So these are actually two quotes from... Um, these are actually two quotes from the uh, Greek poets. So that's kind of fun. So, yeah. Interesting. I don't know. What do we do with that? I don't know. I, I guess just keep going. But yeah, we always have good conversations, which is great. Once like you or Steph actually get here and, you know, the other people too are usually pretty good, except, you know, they're either working or they have atrocious sound. Like I'm gonna end up like pushing it too much. I'm like making making like you know some of these people mad at me because I just <laughs> keep complaining about their crappy audio. Um, but it's awful. I can't handle it. So so. <laughs> um, you know, so I was at this Bible study over the weekend, and uh, you know, it's it's this person. You know, it's it's a friend, so I know them. They're they're pretty stable. <laughs> but they were talking about the different Bible translations, and it's like you know they they've done like a decent amount of research in like the course of a few days to a week. 
but it's not like they've studied it for like, you know, months or years. So it's like, you know, I, I think they got a lot of stuff right, but there was a lot of stuff I still had questions over, except, you know, I wasn't going to, wasn't going to belabor it. But they're very much in favor of like the King James, not like a King James onlyist, um, you know, because they, they, you know, their intake was, I mean, kind of like ours. It's like, well, look, just read the everything, read them all. It's like, you can see how you get the same message, but some words will be used. Some things will be changed slightly because, you know, like Catholic influence or depending on like the text found like the Vatican that was used, like what the Alexandrian text and what was the other one? Um, oh, the, the Byzantine. I, I thought it started with an A again. Anyway, but yeah, so, so, yeah, their big their big problem was like the the modern translations will leave off some stuff, and you know they'll leave a footnote that explains it and it even tells you what they're omitting. But it's like the last little bits of like verses or something, and uh, they're like, "See, that's why the King James is is better because you know these Catholic people they influenced it and they wanted to get rid of of some of these like messages on the end." And I'm like, <laughs> eh, I don't know if I'd go that far, but I mean, you know, it's fine. Like just just read it and it'll say. Like where, where like verse 21 is missing or whatever. And it's like, you see verse 21 is missing. It goes from 20 to 22 and like what mark or whatever. And it's like, but there's a footnote. So you click it and it says, oh, well, some versions include this verse. And then it tells you the verse like with fear and trembling. But it's like, we didn't because it's not in the, you know, oldest found text. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, I mean, textual criticism is a whole thing. What people don't get about textual criticism is that, you you have to look at it in its context like what who who was writing this stuff you know where did the manuscripts come from and people will completely just lose their minds over it like that kjv stuff it's just it's crazy it's it's literally like crazy i i don't know <laughs> and, and you know why like i i don't mind the kjv other than it's it's ridiculous to read through um because it's just hard but why has someone and like you know new new King James like I don't even know if they tried to make it sound easier or it just happened to be slightly easier, but why hasn't someone done like you know even call it like modern pigeon in English, <laughs> like like however you have to do it? Why hasn't someone just like you know you're not trying to come up with a new translation, you're taking KJV, you're just saying it in normal person speak, like you know why thou us da da la be like I don't know repenteth thou of thy sin and believe thy Lord Jesus like repent of your sin and believe Jesus. Like why has no one in hundreds of years taken the KJV and just written it down in like normal person speak, not changing the meaning, not changing anything, just, you know, making it word for word normal. I don't know, man. You'd have to ask somebody like uh, pastor Mark or something. Is it cause that'd be a terrible thing, terrible job. Like, why don't you do it, Chris? Oh, that'd be awful. Why don't you no, do it, Nate? That'd be awful. Nate, you've already got to prepare for the, uh, you know, the state of the world address. So. Oh, that, that's right. So we'll give this. You got that. Else. You've got that on your plate. So you need to delegate the other thing. I mean, I hope King James English is not what we'll be speaking in heaven. I, I seriously doubt it. I mean, you know, it's not going to be a deal breaker, but I'll, I'll have to get used to it, I guess, a little bit. So did you did you hear that clip that I sent you yesterday? Yeah, I don't understand what I was listening to. What was okay. that? And it had words and it had stuff, but it was blurry and I couldn't see what it said. So it was Rick Real talking with all of our friends, um, 
like Pastor Sam and Cherry and all those folks, right? And Rick was just, you know, talking to him in a normal voice. And it was, hold on, I'm sorry. Yes. Hey, Adam, what's up? How you doing? I'm great. Hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm not so bad. How's your day going? My day is going pretty good. How's your day going? Oh, my day is going pretty good. I guess you are not speaking, Adam. Sorry, I had to gather the trash real quick. <laughs> no, I'm what's doing. Up? I'm doing okay. Um, two things you guys were. My sounds going to be atrocious for a second. Um, two things you guys were talking on interested me. I, I've always thought there needed to be a media outlet that was telling the truth and the things that are actually happening and not like, not like just all the bad, like the good too. And then the second thing, um, I was in a church group that, um, we only, they only would allow us to use the King James. And they said that if you use any other version, it was wrong because they took other versions, took stuff out of the Bible and, and stuff like that and everything. And there was actually a, a preacher in that group that actually did a message and took different versions of the Bible and showed you where like in one, uh, in one, bible the verse was there but in another bible the verse they were talking about was gone and all that stuff and everything and they were preaching that the king james is like the only bible that was translated from the hebrew text to or fr from the actual text that it was written in the hebrew greek whatever and translated into english and and everything but then when I got out of that church group and started looking for myself, the closest that I found is the NASB. So I like that one. And then I'll read like, you know, uh, different other versions as well. But um, I, I stick close to the NASB because it's the closest that I found to the actual like mirroring of the original text of the Bible. Yeah, I like the uh, NASB too. And I mean, it sounds scandalous at first when they're like, they took stuff out of the Bible. But then you learn that, you know, it wasn't really, it, it wasn't in these manuscripts. So like it was in other manuscripts, but it wasn't in these. And then when you find out what was moved, like, you know, first of all, they tell on themselves. They're like, yeah, we didn't include this verse. And then they quote the verse. They're like, here's the verse we did not include. And here's why we did not include it. Um, so it becomes much less scandalous. And then, you know, it's like the last part of the Lord's Prayer. It's like, you know, for thine is the kingdom, the glory, and power forever, amen. That's not going to make or break someone's salvation, whether or not they hear that part or not. It's just like, you know, either because they couldn't verify it to the same stringent requirements uh, that they verified everything else with. Um, maybe it's because, like, the author, uh, you, you know, the translator or whatever was trying to um, further accentuate that point. So, like, maybe they added a little bit in the notes that got included in there. It's like, oh, well, you know, it says Jesus is Lord, but now we're going to say... Uh, Jesus has word again, right, to really make sure people understand it. Um, so if that would be something added, not in the original manuscript, it's like, okay, well, I make, it makes sense that, you know, they're trying to, like, drive home the author's point 
that this is what they're saying. Like, Jesus is really Lord, but, like, it already says it, so you don't need to say it twice. So, I mean, there's all kinds of different reasons that are perfectly fine, in my humble opinion, you know, why or why not things happened or didn't happen. Hey, what's up? Uh, new person. Good morning. Morning. Hey, how you doing, man? Good. Hey, um, I was wondering if maybe you could give me some insight, because I'm kind of... I'll be honest, like lately I've been going to church and I've been feeling kind of underwhelmed with the experience. And what I, what I realize it is, is like, I, I maybe, is it me or, you know, maybe there's some, but like, like when, when they're talking and they had the sermon on Sundays, there'll be all of these like, like tautological phrases that kind of mean the same thing backward and forward and it just feels like filler or or like like it it, it just feels like more self-helpy than scripture I know exactly what you mean and I, like, yes. fuck, I like I, and it's like oh um you, when you're not going in when you're not finding the way Lord will make the way for you and it's like <laughs> what what like yeah it's just like and i've been finding myself kind of checking out and that's I, been exactly I mean, my issue lately too like I, I, i've I'm said like and i'm just like well what is this like these are just like t-shirt slogans yeah i saw ex- i i, I ha- had exactly the same conversation i said almost exactly the same thing you just said verbatim and uh i i went to another church because i i helped play music in another church and i'm just like what is going on lately like what is the the what is and it's not just one preacher it's like you know a couple of them I'm like what are they doing it's like it was so good for a while they're like sticking to scripture and all this now it's just like you know like god wants your happiness that's that's it and it's just like this this kind of like vapid like you know god wants you to be happy all this other stuff I'm like well i mean i don't think god wants me to be miserable but I mean, there's a lot more to it than that. Like that, that can't be the end game. I'm like, what are you guys doing? And then I, I was at this other church um, over the weekend and it was just like a straight gospel message. It's like, you know, there is a Lord, it is Jesus. Like, you know, he shed his blood for you. He died on Calvary, like repent. Like this is the point of the Bible. And I'm like, oh, wow. I'm like, everyone knows this, but man, it was good to just actually hear what the Bible says. Like, you know, chapters, verses. Right. And uh, I'm like, man, so that was refreshing. So. I mean, we're in the same boat. I don't know what to do other than, you know, if you're – I mean, maybe the pastor's getting a slump too because, you know, yeah. I mean, I mean, you got to preach every every week. Um, yeah. Um, or they don't, which is my other problem. How it seems like pastors seem to, like, have more vacation time than anyone yeah, else. Yeah, like – It's like, like – the, Yeah. The A pastor <laughs> has been kind of, like, just chilling lately, and then it's all these other people. Then they went through a period in the summer – where they had all of these guest pastors, and that took me out of it because they were all, I don't want to sound like an asshole, but they were all trying to preach some woke shit, and I was just like, I don't want to fucking hear this. I don't want to hear about. Well, I don't really want to hear the cursing, but uh, I sorry, get what man. You mean. I mean, sorry. Um, I just, I just, it just kind of took me out of it. Like there was just a lot of woke stuff, and um, like I, I'm, I'm supposed to be doing like uh, I'm supposed to be getting baptized because I never never been baptized and um i'm going to say something and it's going to be probably problematic but i just 
like, you know, like, I don't know if you've ever done baptism, but sometimes it's like the classes before. And I just kind of had an issue that the people teaching it are women. I just, I just, I just can't, I can't be taught the Bible from women. You are, you, I mean, you're, you're right in line. Where have you been all our lives? Um, I, I mean, we, we were talking about a lot of this stuff right before you got in here. And I agree. Like, I don't think it's biblical. Like, that's also, you know, something else I've had, I've had a big problem, you know, with the church I go to is, I, I mean, I guess they've had women pastors for a long time, but, you know, we just kind of, we just kind of show up and, you know, go to service like, you know, we're, I mean, I'm like a pastor or nothing. So, I mean, you know, we just show up and, you know, it's usually the preacher talking and who's a dude and then we leave. But I guess they've had like, you know, pastors for a long time that are women, but really over the summer. Yeah. What is it about the summer? Like they've really had know. lots it's of like, like everyone guests. goes on vacation. Yeah. And it's like they've had guest pastoresses or whatever. So, mm-hmm. you know, there, there've been a lot of like women pastors. I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, you know, they're nice people, but I'm having a, I'm having a little bit of a hard time with this because it's just, it's not biblical and I don't know how they make it biblical. And I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. It's not like I'm perfect, but you know, one time uh, they, the, the, they were doing this series and it was like, um, you know, answering questions, kind of like, kind of like what we do here, but he was doing it in the form of a sermon. And one of the thing was, you know, what about women pastors? And I'm like, okay, all right, I'm listening. I'm like, here I am. I, I cannot be biased. I'm like, all right, tell me how I'm wrong and how women pastors are totally cool in the Bible. I'm like, I'm listening, open ears. Except what I got was the weakest thing ever. He went to like Joel and was talking about how like, you know, in the last days, sons and daughters will prophesy and see visions. I'm like, that has nothing to do with being a pastor. And, and then he's like, and see, we're going to let the Holy Spirit move and we're not going to limit God. That's why, you know, we're going to have women pastors. I'm like, but that sons and daughters can see visions and, and all this other stuff. But that has nothing to do with being a pastor. It's a completely different category. So I, I, I've, I've been kind of struggling ever since then. Um, anyway, so I guess the answer is, you know, if, if you think maybe your pastor is just a person too, and they're in a slump and like just kind of preaching some self-help for a couple of weeks and, and whatever, and you're like, well, this could be better. I mean, you know, everyone's only people, but if you also think that it's, um, you know, it's, it's not going to change <laughs> and, and, you know, the pastor's like set and this is like his new stance and he's going to Joel Osteen it, then I, I would encourage you to do what I'm probably thinking of and, you know, maybe switch churches. I'm already ahead of you. I already started thinking <laughs> about switching churches because this is just like, it's, it's the, it's the, so did they just couldn't get any men to teach the, the baptism series? None? <laughs> just none, not one? Like, what yeah, and I think about? that's where if you try to force it, right? Like it, it's not, it's not good. Like if you're like, well, you know, I agree with the Bible, but we just don't have enough dudes to teach this. So we'll, we'll bring in a woman to instruct men. That's kind of like uh, Abraham, you know, when he's like, well, you know, God promised that, you know, I'd have a son clearly through Sarah, but we're going to go ahead and, you know, use human uh, mechanisms to fix this. And he hooked up with Hagar and now they've been fighting for thousands of years because of that. So it's like, you know, don't do something your own power. If you don't have enough guys to teach a baptism course, um, you know, don't teach the course just or, you know, have the pastor spend 10 minutes after or before a sermon to do it himself. Like, you, you know, go grab the guy who's a parking lot attendant who's been saved for 30 years, have him do it. You're like, look, here's baptism. You don't need, and I, I wonder what kind of course the baptism was. Like, how long did it last? Like, it should be like, are you a believer in Christ? You believe he is who he says he is. Death, burial, resurrection, you want to follow him? You want to be his disciple? Great. Now he says, go be baptized. Go jump in that water. Like, Dude, it should be a, 
Dude, it's 95. It, it, it's five 90 minute courses via Zoom. And then oh you got to do this video because they had the baptism Sunday. You got to do this video where you go, why are you getting baptized? For the love of Jesus. And I was like, oh, I just, I just feel, I feel so though? silly. What I feel so the... silly. It's a non-denominational church in New York City. Huh. I feel so silly, dude. Like I, 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 I just feel silly. Like when I went to, when I was watching the people getting baptized, and they were showing the clip of it on the screen, and why are they getting baptized? And it was just, it felt so silly. I felt like I can't, I can't, I don't know if I can even bring myself to do this because it feels silly, and I hate to feel silly. I'm just gonna be honest. I just. I'm at an age where I don't like to do things that make me feel silly. Sorry. Well, I get that. Have, have you never been baptized? No. Well, I mean, the easy answer is do it because Jesus says do it. But I mean, you know, th there's nothing I would say, um, you know, the way Jesus says do it, go get dunked in some water. Um, you know, no, no silliness there. But for having five 90 minute courses and, you know, all the other stuff you said, maybe you should just find a different church and be like, hey, I believe in Jesus. I know I'm supposed to get baptized. Can someone help me out? And you'll probably find someone that's like, well, you said all the right stuff. You believe that. You believe Jesus is who he says he is. You want to be a follower? He says be baptized. So here, jump in this bucket of water over here. I mean, you know, I guess a big bucket so you can get dunked in it. But you know what I mean? Like, no, right, I, right. I, I think it shouldn't be done. Like, Yeah, there's there's nothing it should be silly about. And if it is, there's probably something wrong with um. Is it normal thing. to do it in front of everyone at church? Is that normal? Is that because I've never done this before. Is it normal to, like, be baptized in front of everyone at church? Is that normal? Is that usually the procedure? Well, I mean, yeah, it's kind of customary because, I mean, it usually happens at church. So, I mean, you know, are, are all people supposed to, like, leave so you can do it in right. a dark room alone? And, right. you know, part, part of the reason to be baptized is to, to show, like, you know, your, your like, devotion uh, mm -hmm. and that you're, really, that you're really, you know, trying to be a disciple of Jesus. So, I mean, you know, having witnesses is good. It's not necessary. And if there's no one around, you know, you can get baptized in your bathtub. Like, you know, have someone who's a believer, um, you know, baptize in your bathtub. But that's going to get back to you being silly. Um, right. But right, no, I mean, right, it's totally right. normal. And, uh, right. you know, we can let uh, Steph down there also just, explain why she's just, not been baptized. You know what it is? I just, I don't want to do that, that clip thing in front of the church about why I'm getting baptized. and The I what just, thing? The... There's like a, they put a montage of people getting baptized, oh, about to get baptized. Oh, no, that's... Go, Why are you getting baptized? Oh, he has know. to give a testimony. That's the same reason yeah. I didn't do it when I was a teenager. I just feel okay. so silly, dude. Okay, so I got two things to say to both of you. One uh, is silly. Are you going to let silly feelings interfere with your walk with Christ? That wouldn't be the one I'd want to pick. Also, I've never... I sort of, in the recesses of my mind, am familiar with like some kind of testimony or clip or something like that. In all my recent, in the last like 15 years um, of experience and like, you know, having watched baptisms, been at church and people get baptized, it's just like they jump in a pool and they're like, Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe, you know, his death, burial, resurrection? You want to be a disciple of Jesus? You will follow him. Yes. Then I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And, you know, they throw you into the water, they bring you up, you know, some people clap. And that's it. That's it. So on one hand, just go find a normal person. Come to me. I'll baptize you. I got a lake out here. You may get eaten by an alligator. Um, 
but on the other hand, um, even if it is super, super silly, <laughs> I would not want that to be the reason I disobey Christ because it feels silly. But you can, two birds with one stone, so you can have your cake and eat it too. You can totally find a church that doesn't do any of the weird clip testimonial nonsense, um, so you don't have to feel silly, and you can obey your Lord and Savior. Done and done. Thanks, Nate. <laughs> Hope that helps. So, Steph, feel convicted? Morning, Steph. Morning. How are you, Ephraim? I'm good. I'm good. Ephraim. I'm sorry, Ephraim. I feel like people say that name two different ways, but what's important is the way your mom said it. Your mom says Ephraim? Yep. There we go. Ephraim. Uh, yeah, I'm good. Now I need to get baptized also. I do feel convicted. This is, this is terrible at this point. Ephraim, how long have you been saved? Uh, I would say a year and a half. Yeah, it's time, man. I mean, it's been like 25 years for me, so it's time <laughs> we get baptized. See, this is a very judgment-free zone because no one here can judge anyone. That's except fact. you know, Except, you know, biblically how we're supposed to judge the body of Christ. But, you know, barring that, we're not in a great position to judge people. I have the same thing, though. When I was a teenager, I wanted to get baptized. And then my we didn't get to do a clip in front of the church. Like, the, the pastor made us stand up and give our testimony to the church. And I was like, uh-uh. And I had seen other people do it. And other people had given, like, these amazing, beautiful, like adults, you know, were given these amazing, beautiful, well-thought-out testimonies. And I was, like, 14. And that just completely deterred me. I was terrified of that. And then after that, it just, like, never happened. <laughs> But Nate's right. You could have, like, you could seriously go to someone in your church if they're a baptized Trinitarian Christian and they've already been baptized. You could be like, dude, could you just baptize me? You know, in the summer, if you've got any beaches or lakes or anything around you, invite your mom, invite people that are close to you, invite your friends. Like, you know, I don't know if it's necessary to do it during a service in the church. It is not. There you go. Go get baptized with people. Like, go have, like, a picnic at a park or a lake or something and go do it there if you've got one near you. Okay. We always went to the river. There you go. You could do it in the Hudson and then pray that you don't get cancer after that. <laughs> yeah, that that like if, if anything sketchy happens, that's not like God's judgment for not doing it a proper way. That's just because you did it in toxic water. So you know check your water source. Steph, we were talking about um we're talking about so much stuff. This is right up your alley. You really need to kick your kids out earlier. Yeah, um, I'll just boot them out on the sidewalk and tell them to walk themselves. We were talking about how the blue-haired soccer demon um, was in a press conference after she... Oh, yeah. I didn't she, read it, that. So what happened? So apparently, like, I don't know the pronouns, like Legion for their many. I don't know. but I, I think she. I th anyways, she got hurt, like a career-ending whatever injury. Um she just twisted or moved the wrong way and got hurt and there was no one around. So she was, they were asking at a press conference after it. And she's like, yeah, because I got injured and I can't play anymore. And no one was even around. That's proof that there is no God. I'm like, bro, or Wait. bro S or whatever. Yeah. Uh -huh. Wouldn't, yeah. Wouldn't that be proof that something supernatural happened? That's what we were positing. 
And I'm thinking, if anything, that's the proof that you're the embodiment of the fool from the book of Proverbs. Like, yes, yeah, so, I mean, it, it, that person is so insufferable. Like, so wait, oh, is there I, something she said while she's crumpled on the field and she's devastated and she's like, there's no God? Or is this something she thought it about was a, for a few it, days? It was a, it was a press conference uh, after it happened. So she's like up there in front of all the cameras and microphones and they're like, what do you think about this injury? And blah, blah, blah. What do you feel going forward? Give us some thoughts on that. She's like, it's proof there is no God. I'm like, oh my goodness. It's proof there is a God and he's laughing at the fool. Or like, you know, he like threw the Christians a bone. He's like, hey, want to see something funny? Watch this. <laughs> you know, the links that people will go to to not accept responsibility. And I'm not above this, right? I have done this. But when you're watching someone else do it, it's always so clear. Like, <laughs> boy, that is, no one's around you. No one impacted you. Okay. You did this to yourself, but you're denying that you did this to yourself. You're going so far as to say, I'm not responsible. Something supernatural happened. And therefore there is no God and whatever it, it, it's not my fault. It's God's fault. And he doesn't exist. Like just the, <laughs> the amount of inconsistency is like baffling. Girl, you tripped over your foot. It's fine. You can just admit it. Go, like, be a teacher or something. I don't know. Yeah, those who can't teach. So asinine. Like, you realize there are people in this world who were born quadriplegic and paraplegic, and, like, you're all whining because you've made millions of dollars and tripped on your foot, and now you're like, like <laughs> I just have no tolerance for that. You don't even have, like, she's walking, right? She just can't, like, run and play soccer? Oh, she yeah, yeah. Live a normal life. Yeah. Shut up. Like she's already embarrassed her country in the world stage, like by taking a knee, uh, by kneeling and taking a knee and all this other nonsense, and, like, you know, peddling her blue dye, like what talking points. Like, I mean, she's already em embarrassed her entire country. So, I mean, you know, just retire, go away. Maybe like, get, that's a flannel why God and start, get a flannel t-shirt and start driving a truck. There you go. I just love that conclusion. I, I still can't wrap my head around it. Wait a minute. I drive a truck. Yeah, it's a it's a good thing for her to be doing. It's Are a you a lesbian with blue hair? Than what she's been doing. <laughs> we are lauding truck driving as a worthwhile endeavor, Adam. <laughs> Over being a professional soccer player, which is apparently not her calling. And then things like this conversation get onto another topic where apparently we were talking like the dude from Switchfoot. Like, you know, I always kind of like them. They're like a poor man's skillet. But, um, poor man's um, skillet? They're so much better than skillet. No. If you were, bapti if you were baptized, you wouldn't be saying that. Um, wow. But, but no. Like, apparently he's like all like gay affirming now and everything. And he's like, we realize the churches hurt you and the churches hurt the LGBTs folks. And ah. I'm like, and there's all these articles, like, freaking out. It's like, dude, it is, again, insufferable. Like, ah. Um, it, because, you know, it's like they're ignoring, they're focusing on the little speck of Christians that say, well, if you believe our God and believe our Bible, you know, technically your gay sex is a sin. Sorry. Like, you're bigoted. You're persecuting me. I can't even live. I can't breathe. I'm having panic attacks from the Christians. It's like, dude, please go talk to the Muslims who are throwing you off buildings and murdering you. It's like, go deal with that. Then we'll talk about the mean Christians who say, like, you know, something you're doing is a sin. Just like everyone else in the world has sins. This is one of yours. 
So, you know, go deal with the people who are trying to murder you and are murdering you, and then we'll talk about your hurt feels from Scary Mean God. There's a great book that has nothing to do with Christianity called The Coddling of the American Mind. (laughs) (laughs) About how just, like, this has happened in the past two generations that people have turned into such wimps and how safe spaces have developed and why. And it's about enabling of mental disorders and how like people who may have a tendency, but not a disorder, like say that someone's kind of anxious, right? Cause that's the one I know a lot about. Say someone's kind of anxious. If you enable it and they're like, I'm anxious. I don't want to go to that party. And you're like, Oh my gosh, it's okay. You know what? Stay in bed. If you're anxious, that's so scary. That's such a bad thing. Stay in bed and maybe it'll go away. Right. And then the person is like, Oh, and then they develop the disorder because they're avoiding like, that's how you develop a, an anxiety disorder is by avoiding enough things that you prove to your brain that it's dangerous. And so this whole book is about how, like, basically on this massive societal level, level, we have enabled bad habits to the point where they've become disorders on a grand scale. So, yeah, The Coddling of the American Mind was a very eye-opening book for me about, yeah, it's just, it, and it, you can see it, like, this entire generation. Like, we have this really sweet babysitter, right? She's 25. She's here every day. I love her. She's telling me things that I've only heard on the news, right? And I'm 34. I'm nine years older than her. So we were in school kind of at, like, I'm in high school and she's in elementary school. It's not like there's an entire generation between us, you know? But so much has changed. Like, she's telling me that she loves being around my family and loves being around my kids because she can't have kids. And I'm like, why? And she's like, because the world is such a terrible place, you know, global warming, the world is going to end in their lifetime. And, you know, America is falling. And it's like she has these terror, this terror about stuff, and it affects her decisions in her life. And I'm like, well, Maggie, didn't you just learn about like tending to the planet, like, you know, reduce, reuse, recycle, uh, turn off your light switches. These are things, you know, (laughs) like. That's what we learned when I was at school. And she's like, no, like they have been subjected to videos of what it'll look like when the atmosphere dies and how every human will just die like a slow, painful death. And she doesn't want that for her children. So she won't have children. Boggles my mind. Well, I mean, I would argue against her. But I mean, if that's the kind of parent who would be a mother, I mean, you know, I'm going to say I support her not having kids. So she's not raised by someone with that kind of mentality. No, dude, it's her entire (laughs) generation. Like, then I, Bobby I has said wrong. the same thing. Where Bobby's like, I can't have kids because the world's ending. Like, oh, they, how do they believe this crap? I mean, the world's ending, but not for any of this nonsense. Like, you know, it's going to end from like, you know, trying to save the planet. It's like someone, I just saw this video. It was like someone was charging their Tesla, like a, you know, supercharging station or whatever. And they were, they were showing this, like, a, I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but it was something like basically one and a half kilowatt um, per hour or something is what like the average house uses. And it was saying they were charging, and it was like 350 kilowatts. So it's like, for this 45 minutes it takes to charge up my car from empty to full, it's basically the equivalent of 300 houses all powering up. It's like, if that is not overtaxing the resources, and that's one car uh, for one hour. So it's like, if you want to talk about overtaxing stuff, and it's like, people just don't have critical thinking. So it's like, you know, you want clean energy, great. When you have a car, it's all clean, it's all electric. But then you're like, well, where do we get that electric from? It's like, oh, well, maybe it's not that clean. Like if you get it from nuclear, which everyone is demonizing, or something like that, or hydroelectric maybe, um, sure. But if it's coming from coal, which like 75% of the time it will be, um, that's still carbon. Um, And then it's like making these batteries, making these cars. 
if you've got like you know all these Africans like dying and like you know children digging in the dirt in Africa to mine the lithium and cobalt and all this other crap, it's like building one of these cars is like uh, oh what what do they even compare it to? I don't know, but it's like monstrous. It's like if you compare about care about like the carbon footprint, it may be better once you get the electric car, but by building the electric car, you're like doing more than like Ford Mustangs with gas ever would. Um, and it's like they just don't have the foresight or the thinking or the reasoning to understand that. Um, it's the but then on the other hand, it's like, you know, the people don't care because our, our atmosphere is like thinning anyway. So it's like the people who make that argument, they're like, well, you know, we don't think carbon's bad anyway. We need carbon because the more carbon, the healthier plant life is, the more vegetation we have, yada, yada. So it's like, well, you know, I guess let them have their electric cars um, because it's just going to produce more carbon. Um, and that's fine. It's going to be good. It's going to like replenish the atmosphere that's been waning. No, no, it's a lack of common sense that we have that's that's going crazy. Like, I am dealing with, so I have teenagers, right? Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, you know, it's just part of life, but it, it's not terrible. But like, they're friends. <laughs> I feel sorry for for those, like that generation. Like, it's that one of some of them went in toilet paper to house and like didn't. I mean. What is going on with these kids? But, like, not because they toilet papered the house, but because they did it all wrong. But they, there's no common sense. And it's just like what Steph was stating. Like, they're not wanting to have kids. They're not talking about families. They're not wanting to go further in their life because, oh, poor pitiful me, the world is coming to an end and things are hard and my feelings matter and all of these things. Not that feelings don't matter, but, like, we shouldn't put so much stock in them, right? And well, so dealing with all of these different things with these teenagers, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And you just, you look at them and you're like, what is happening? But guys going through like, so I was in Christian education for a long time, then went into the public school for a year as a substitute and taught some of those curriculums. And it's, I'm in a small town, little bitty country town. Um, where we don't really have to worry about a whole lot of a lot of the politics and a lot of the agenda that's being pushed by these big cities we don't have to worry about that kind of stuff but it's still here and the stuff that's being taught in our classrooms if you don't know you would be absolutely appalled um so just a reminder what generation is raising these kids we're talking about Where are you going with this? That we're sitting here and criticizing children. Children! And their opinions come from our generation, Nate. I think you're Gen X like I am. Gen X is raising the kids that are Gen Zs right now. So I well... think we need to examine ourselves much deeper. And also we have to look at the why, right? A lot of the reason why kids are the way they are is because Gen Xers don't like to admit this, but we were raised very feral and we didn't like it. And so we decided to smother our children as a counterbalance to the feral treatment we got as kids. Okay, so that is true for some, but certainly not all. Like I vehemently hate the helicopter parent approach and that is not me at all. I seem to be in the minority from my observations but I am 100% not raising my kids the way you're talking about. So for those who it is true, it is true. Uh, but also, you know, Steph was talking about her like 20-something-year-old babysitter. 
she is hardly a child. Um, so, yeah, the, the generations, it seems like, you know, the people who have a death grip on the education system and the ones who are raising their kids, um, that's, that's their ideology. And for whatever reason, like, they're the ones doing the teaching. Um, it shouldn't be, but it's, it's their ideology that's, like, seeping in and, and this type of stuff. So when you have parents that are just like, you know, don't care and just like let the schools raise them or they actually, for whatever reason, agree and they take that approach and they're just like, well, the educators are paid to do this. So I guess they know what's better. So I guess I'll try these tactics. But, at, you know, as usual, it's the people that go against the grain and critically think and they're like, OK, is this harmful or helpful for my kid? And, you know, maybe some things that are it is OK and they hold on to it. Other things are like, no, I see a detriment here. This is a problem. So for me. Again, gosh, I, I, I have two girls and they're not teenagers yet. So I, I, is there any wood I can knock on? Like, I don't want to jinx myself, but so far it's like, I, I don't raise them the way I see other people raising their kids. Like other people, I see them like doting and fawning, like to a disgusting level. Like, you know, they let their little princesses have their way. Like if they're, if their princess didn't get their way, she starts screaming and throwing a fit and then they give her her way. I'm like, guys, you are creating a demon. Like, you are creating this. Um, so I, I, maybe I go too much the other way, but I'm like, no, look, this is right. This is what you're going to do. This is what I expect. Like, do these things, do these chores, yada, yada, and we can all get along. We can all have fun. And it's like, because that's all they've ever known, that's how they do it. So, like, they're happy to do the dishes because I'm like, look, do the dishes. We'll go to bike ride. You know, do your chores. And, you know, then I have this planned. But it's like, and they're like, you know, every now and then they're like, well, can I do this when we get back? I'm like, no. I'm like, I'm going in a bike ride. If you're not done in 10 minutes, I'm going and you're staying. Um, and you know what happens? They don't scream and cry and like write sad poetry about how evil I am. They step to it. They run. They do the chores. And we all go on a bike ride. And everyone's happy. Um, again, I'm not perfect. And apparently I have a lot of pain coming for me in the next few years. Um, oh, oh, they actually, <laughs> on that line, then I'll shut up. Last night we were talking. Um, they're, they're 11 and eight or 11 and nine, um, just had birthdays. And <laughs> I'm like, guys, you know, are you always going to be this cute and sweet? And they're like, yes, daddy, we love you. I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm like, they say when girls get teenagers, you know, they, they're like slam their doors and like mad at their parents. Like, that'll never be us. We love you. I'm like, what did you say? So I'm going to make a video. I'm like, and they're like, okay, we'll make a video right now. I'm like, really? I'm like, okay, this will be great. Yes. Make a video. So they make a video. They're like, Daddy, we will never say we hate you. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, yes. So um, if it's true, then I'll probably be the first person ever. If it's not true, I have that thing saved in my family album, and I'm going to use that to embarrass them in front of all their friends when they slam the door and say they hate me. Okay, that's my story. That's all I got. I already have that video, too. <laughs> I don't have those problems with my teenagers. Like, they're they're pretty obedient like don't teach us your ways no <laughs> let's not but <laughs> but it's it's not like like they still have their moments but we don't have door slammings we don't have screamings we don't have the i hate yous i don't and it may be because they're boys but still like we, we don't have those moments and i think it all goes back to being active in your parenting style like if you're letting them run feral as you said earlier or whoever said earlier um then you're not parenting your kids if you're letting the education system parent your kids then you're not parenting your kids like we do a lot of 
I don't know, kind of our teaching on, because they've been, in, they were in Christian school and then um, have now, are now in public school because of the things that the public school can offer that the Christian education could not, or that I could offer at home. And so, you know, we're doing a lot of the whole, okay, well, this is what you're being taught, but this is like the real world stuff. <laughs> like, this is what you really need to know. And, well, but you have to be hands-on parenting in order to do that. You have to be active in what they're learning. You have to know what they're being taught. You have to know what they're being exposed to. You have to have conversations with them. But that starts when they're a little bitty because they're not going to just, oh, automatically wake up as teenagers and be like, yeah, mom, I want to talk to you. Yeah, dad, let's talk. Like, that's not how it works. So you got to put in the work when they're little in order to develop that relationship and that trust. Um when they do become teenagers. Well, they say boys are they say boys are tougher in the beginning, so maybe you've made it through. Um, I don't know. I have one teenage son that's he was <laughs> cake when he was little, and now giving us a run for our money, but not for any other reason than he's just a knucklehead, right? Like he's a little bit harder headed, and it's taking him a little bit longer to to get those things like like we need to bring back like like boot camp or scared straight or stuff like that or like you know that should be like a part like and alongside like pe like i i think it would do well if we had like that drill sergeant type guy that like you know talks tough didn't like be like oh you got a boo-boo let's go get that naked care of like suck it up like i i think that's there would like be that's why, Nate, I say we, I can't teach you my ways because my husband is a military vet and very firm and very stern. And there would be all kinds of people like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, we can't do that. Like, and I think. Well, yeah. Well, well, I think that's, I mean. My boys are as successful as they are. And, they, you know, they're doing the things that they need to do. And they're setting the examples for their peers and all of these things. So, I mean, like I said, my kids aren't perfect. They're not perfect little angels. But, and I'm not naive to think enough that they are, but they are doing things completely different than their peers. Like my, yeah. my second son is already, like him and his girlfriend have already been in a long-term relationship. Like they're talking forever. Um, but they have those, those basics, right? Like they have those, we have prepared them for that in our beliefs because we believe that dating is not you know, just for fun. So like instilling those, those beliefs into your kids is extremely important. Well, thankfully we haven't had any of the dating conversations yet. Um, so I, I haven't had to deal with that yet, but, um, yeah, the other stuff, I mean, I think it sounds like we're on, we're on kind of the same page. I mean, it's right in line with, you know, spare the rod or spoil the child, uh, type thing. So, I mean, you know, we're not talking about waterboarding our kids. I mean, at least I'm not. But yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes it's just like tough talk where people make, wow, you're so gruff and abrasive or whatever. It's like, well, you know, if you if you kind of start off hitting them with like that, um, just like this is the way it is, right? You're not yelling. You're not mad. You're totally just like talking. But it's like you, you don't handle them with like kid feathery gloves. So they just get used to that. So then when other people talk to them like that because they are mad, like you can handle it differently instead of, you know, as one uh, one of our friends puts it when their child gets upset, they quote, hysterically cry. I'm like, oh. so it's just kind of become something we laugh out at because like when the littlest thing that should not be an issue at all happens, 
this person will turn into a ball and just like cry and scream like uncontrollably. I'm like, what the heck is going on? Like, do you not see how this is an awful thing? Like, I may not have all the answers, but I definitely know that's the wrong one. Um, versus, you know, when something else happens to, I don't know, like my kid on, on the same level, I'm like, oh, did you, um, okay, like, like sports or whatever. Like there's this competition they were both in and um, it was gymnastics. And when like, there's this team with like 10 of them. And when they like, you, you know, do bad, like there was this one meet, <laughs> it was tough to watch. Um, it was this competition. All of them were awful. Like, I don't know what what happened. Every single one of them. And they're all usually pretty good. They do their stuff or whatever that's supposed to be good. Uh, this time, like, every single one of them just bit it. It was terrible. Um, all of them, except, like, you know, my kid and one other kid were hysterical crying. Their coaches were running around, like, consoling them and hugging them and all this stuff. And there's, like, wailing, um, kind of like the weeping and gnashing of teeth type thing. Um, and my kid just kind of, you know, she, she's frowned, she pouted. I'm like, why weren't you crying with the rest of them? She's like, I'm not going to do that. That's embarrassing. I'm like, I don't know, small victories. I mean, hopefully she doesn't turn into like a, I don't know, um, end up dating a drummer or something and traveling the country. So, you know, my, my toughest battles are still in front of me, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. CEO, what do you got? Um, well, I had a couple questions for Steph about this 25-year-old. Um, did you attempt to communicate to her that, people still had babies during world war two and the world was a worse <laughs> off. And number two, that humans have a history of innovating our way out of challenges. It's basically how we've survived to this point so far. Uh, yes, we did have a long conversation, but I'll need to tell you about it in a minute. Um, and then Nate to, uh, to give Gen Z parents credit for two things. Um, Gen Z is the most financially responsible generation recorded, and they trust their parents more than any previous generation. And everything's coming back around. Like, I'm not sure completely. Like, I, this is just kind of hearsay. I, don't, I haven't really dug into this because whatever. Um, but people were saying, was it millennials or the one right after millennials? Where everything was coming back around. Um, Gen Alpha? So yeah, like, like basically. You mean, now, the, you mean the youngest generation right now? Is that what you're talking about? Um, it was either the young one or the one just above them. But they were okay. saying that how now they're like very, very anti woke and like, you know, going back to kind of more like uh, rough and tumble, kind of like how Gen X, you said, was raised feral. <laughs> like, like they're kind of gravitating more towards that, uh, kind of like the pendulum is swinging the other direction now. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I guess no matter what happens, like things are going to kind of go on the ebb and flow. So, you know, the, I guess, millennials or the one right above them or whatever are going to be this kind of like squishmallow generation um, that's scared of their own shadow. But all their kids are going to see that as a failing and kind of, you know, push back and go the other direction, um, which I think is probably a good thing. That's just what I heard. I haven't done studies on it. I don't know. I mean, one thing I told this poor girl was that, you know, I'm explaining to her how statistically this is like the safest time to be alive. We don't have the Black Plague. We don't have like, you know, industrial era London murders. We don't have like, you know, this is like children are more protected against sexual abuse and exploitation than ever before. Blah, 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 blah. Like this is just one of the safest. This is like the safest time to be alive in human history so far. 
sort of unprecedented. And then uh, she was shocked by that because, you know, she's been fed this narrative about how the world is getting worse and worse and worse and the news and this, that, and the other thing. And the other thing I explained to her, I was like, dude, did you know that in the 90s they expected that our atmosphere was going to be gone by 2020? Like, that's what they were, that's what the science was telling them, and that's the narrative they were pushing. Because in 1990, that seems so far away, that's like us being like, X will happen in 2050 or 2060. That's like, yeah, whatever, you know, 2060, we're not worried about that. So I told her that, that like, that was the thing in the 90s. You can look up the videos. Of what's his face? What's that guy's name who used to talk about that? Al Gore. Al Gore used to be like, yeah, but our projections state that by the year 2020, our atmosphere will be gone (laughs) and the earth will be unlivable. And people are like, oh, my God. You know, I told her that. And I was like, look up the videos. You can see it. And she was like flabbergasted. She was shocked that that's the case. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know what she she's describing to me, the things that they saw in school and they were watching like video simulations of what will happen to all life on earth if we don't get rid of gas vehicles. And And it's just like, yeah, I know, I know. Right. So the, I, and this girl's not stupid. Like she's very smart. She's a hard worker. She's a good person. She's just indoctrinated. Yes. That's the thing. And, and I know like her parents live in our town and she's, she lives in the next town over, but she grew up here and like her parents are good, nice, normal, happy people. Gen Xers, you know, older Gen Xers, but she's like, I don't know. I, this is like the school did this to her, not her parents. Yeah, I will. I will say in her defense, and I think a, a bunch of uh, people in that age group is that there is just a lack of exposure. We, we have a client who's a CEO of Southern Gas Association, and we have a lot of Gen Z team members. And when they hear from her about natural gas and how it's not nearly as bad as they thought it was, they're shocked. And they also are willing to change their perspective on it. So a lot of it is just a pure lack of exposure to the other perspective. Well, but you know, that's what happens, right? Is that what, what's that phrase that show me a young liberal and I'll show you so or what is it show me a young Republican I'll show you someone who has no heart show me an old Democrat I'll show you someone who has no brain it's like (laughs) this is kind of the natural course of things that you start off with this sort of like starry-eyed like I'm gonna make the world a better place and you know the, the natural gas thing they were doing the natural gas drilling a lot in Pennsylvania and southern New York where I am the southern tier of New York and uh New York banned it Right. There was like all of this, this like propaganda that went around about people being able to light their water on fire and this, that and the other thing. And so New York State banned any natural gas mining. And now New York State also passed this summer uh, a new law saying that natural gas cannot be a part of any new construction. If you have like a a building that's what is it like 30,000 square feet and up, you can put natural gas, but nothing for small commercial or residential or multifamily. So they've like completely banned natural gas and wood stoves. They also banned wood stoves. In are you state. serious? Yeah. Yeah. How are they I don't know what's ban that? That makes me want to go get a wood stove right now and like, like move to New York and like put it in a building. Be like, Here, yeah, exactly. And then they'll come like, after you oh. like you won't get your permits and no, no company will sell you a residential wood stove new. Like they, they can't, right? Like you can't find that anymore. And who does this hurt? This hurts lower income people because my house has natural gas. Do you know what my heat bill is a month? It's like 200 bucks for my 3,000 square foot house. It's amazing. So who does this policy hurt? Low income. But hey, 
that's a whole other thing. You know how many low income people are on wood stoves because that's just like they haven't upgraded their house with modern HVAC. Like it's a great form of heat. It's lovely. Anyone who hasn't lived in a house with a wood stove, it's nice. Okay. Anyway, so this is like, it goes beyond the schools. It's this very strange thing. Oh, so the natural gas. Okay. So they're still drilling in Pennsylvania. They banned it in New York state. Right. So then everybody's like, it's so bad. It's so bad. But as time has gone on, a lot of these communities in Pennsylvania that allowed natural gas drilling experienced this massive economic boom. So we're talking very rural farm areas with a lot of trailer parks, a lot of rundown houses built in the 1800s. And so then they're, you know, this old, old guy and his wife have an old house from, you know, 1810, and they've got their wood stove, and they've got their bad roof, and they've got 10 acres. And the Pennsylvanian government or whoever is doing that, the federal government comes along and is like, hey, are these gas companies, we're going to offer you X amount of dollars per square foot per year to for the right to drill on your property. And then if we get gas off of your property, we're going to offer you royalties. So people started signing these contracts that were like, yeah, you can drill on my property and it has to be safe and you have to be X amount of feet away from my house and it can't touch my water lines. And this is like highly regulated, right? And it pulled so many people out of poverty because these gas contracts are like thousands and thousands of dollars a year before they even start drilling. So then in my world, if I'm selling an old farmhouse with some acreage that has a gas lease on it, now the property value is way, way higher because it comes with this income. So anyway, in these rural communities, it pulled a lot of people out of generational poverty and nobody got cancer. It's been like what, Chad, like 15 years, 10 years. It's like nobody's gotten cancer. Nothing bad happened. Like everybody is safe. There have been some spills just like like anytime you pump gas at a gas station, there's risk of a spill. So that kind of thing happens. Right. But it's like not that. And so people's perspectives on it have completely changed, changed in Pennsylvania anyway, not in New York. But yeah, so that kind of naturally happens, you know. Yeah, I know well, yeah. Here who does that? They they lived in Pennsylvania and and now they live here, but they still own property. So yeah, they still get like you know, a, I, it's a good check. Like it's it's quite a bit. I forget how much, but I mean oh, every yeah. month, every month they get that, and I'm just like, like they have a bunch of property, so they're like you know going all over it. Um, but it's like over like a couple grand a month, like one, two grand a month, like for, for a, quite a bit of property he has um, in Pennsylvania. But yeah, I would just say back a little bit, you know, your friend could take heart that when politicians talk about how in like 12 years, the water ever uh, the coastline is going to be underground um, uh, or underwater. And then they immediately go buy beachfront property for multi millions of dollars. And when you've got AOC saying in seven years that, you know, um, the earth's going to end if we don't stop cow farts. And that was like 10 years ago. And, you know, like uh, Miss uh, Dr. Nothing Thunberg, who says the same thing. She's like, how dare you? You're kidding the world. You're kidding us all. And absolutely nothing's happened. Um, yeah, so take heart in that. When they uh, Watch what they do, not what they say. So if it's like, oh, you can't own beachfront property because it's going to be underwater, and that's bad. But here we go buying beachfront property. You can't have this because it's bad. But we can. Do what they do, not what they say. It's so puzzling because here's the other thing is that, uh, you know, the world now has all of this information at our fingertips, right? You could Google, uh, you know, sci you can Google temperature trends from what is it, the year 1840 till now. And you can look yourself and see what of the temperature and you can see the cooling and warming and cooling and warming like for since since the 1840. We have access to all this information. We can we can Google and see. What were politicians saying in the 1980s about climate change? 
and we can we can see that none of it came true and none of their predictions are accurate. Nothing has changed. In fact, the global temperature has cooled by two degrees since 1980. Like, what is wrong with people? You know, you have access to all of this information. Have you seen, like, some of the reports, like, exactly what you're talking about? Um, someone did this montage as a compilation going back from, like, you know, the 80s or whatever, 70s, 80s, 90s. Um, and it had all these um, weather reports from across the globe. It had them in uh, the United States. It had them in England. Like, all these different weather weather uh, ch- weather shows. And it was showing how, like, uh, all the graphs, you know, how they color code them. So it was showing the different regions of their countries, saying, like, you know, these are, are the temperatures. Um, and it would have them all in, like, you know, yellow and some oranges. And it would have the temperature number next to it. Well, now, in, like, 2020, it showed that it was all these same countries that they did, except now it was, like, from 2020 Weather Channel reports. And um, the the numbers were a couple degrees less. But instead of having, like, you know, yellows and oranges, they were, like, dark orange and, like, bright red. So, like, to to insinuate that things are getting warmer and hotter and, like, deadly heat, even though, so they just changed the colors to make it look more dire when the actual numbers were like two and three degrees less than they were 30 years ago. I'm like, if you guys don't see how you're just being played, man, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think the biggest turning point will be when wind and solar stops getting these, um, what do they call subsidies? Because uh, another thing that Gen Z and millennials don't understand is what the true cost of this energy is. And so when the subsidies go away and the true cost is revealed, people are going to start feeling different about it as well. Yeah. And everyone like, you know, hates nuclear now for some reason, but uh, apparently like Bill Gates has decided like that's going to be his new pet project. So he's trying to, I guess, invest in like all this nuclear energy. So on one hand, it's like, okay, finally. Oh, and just like that, everyone loves nuclear now. So everyone like loves the idea because, you know, Gates says it's cool. Um, and that movie, but, Oppenheimer, you do notice the timing of that release with what Gates is doing. <laughs> Don't think that's a mistake. Yeah, but except, you know, the bad thing is because it's these people who just don't have your best interests at heart they're going to be the one controlling it. So it's like, okay, well, nuclear is great. Like, you know, done safe, done right. It's great. You can have like small reactors now. So it's not like these giant Chernobyl complexes. Um, so it's good, except now it's like, okay, well, who, who's pulling the strings? So it's like now you can just be like, oh, you've had your allotment energy. We have unfiltered, unlimited energy, but uh, you've had your allotment. So um, you're done today. And they can just turn it on and off at will. So even though now it's like, well, you want to praise them for finally doing something good, but it's probably going to be bad. <laughs> With, like, rationing and stuff is what I was getting at. Hey, Mark. Hey, Joanna. What's up, everyone? How's it going? Uh, I don't know if you want to fix things with Joanna. She got quite upset yesterday that Bob was on stage. Wait, what? I mean, I had nothing to do with this because I was gone. <laughs> she, uh, what's up, Joanna? Was it just his general presence? Because I get how irritating that can be. Or did he <coughs> no, say something to you? I modded the dude. <laughs> you modded Bob? <laughs> yeah, I did. I'm upset with you. Let her what? have it, Joanna. <laughs> Let her have it. 
I'm on Team Joanna. Repent, Steph. Well, no. Bob blatantly said Jesus is not God, and and he said a lot of bad things about my Lord and Savior. Stephanie can probably tell you better what the words were. I'm a little upset. So. Oh, I get it. And then she modded him. Yeah. Yeah. And That's not he, good. I did. Yeah. He said he's yeah, and he it was blasphemous, and I was hurt because I understand you guys can't tell people what to say. this. Yeah, I didn't know you guys are gonna allow that. Like, have no boundaries at all here. So if he comes, just okay. leave. So I like to think I'm pretty compassionate, understanding. If people start putting stuff on me that is not me, I will probably do something other than be those things so bob has a very short leash when i'm here and usually he'll like say one too many blasphemous things and he'll find himself in the audience so uh that's my stance um as for whatever you guys have no limits and let people say whatever they want uh that's a bunch of crap and that's not me if okay, uh, steph does that then um that's on her okay so stephanie i'll just ask you then I won't assume. Oh, if if so, if people come here and they black, they keep saying you know bad things about Jesus. Are they just going to stay on stage, keep and continue to say that stuff? Uh, okay. Well, it depends. People people say bad things about Jesus all the time in this room and in the world, right? In life. And one of the things I was, go ahead, Nate. No, I'm not, I'm not trying to say anything. Oh, I saw you on mute. Okay. Uh, one of the things that we talked about yesterday, right, is that this is not a teaching room. This is not designed to be a Christian-only room. And we talked about how this room is the equivalent of, like, ratchet street corner evangelism, right? So we have atheists up here blaspheming all the time. And the thing is that if you're going to do street corner evangelism and you decide that you're just not going to talk to the people who, you know don't believe in Jesus or who would blaspheme, then you could just go home and make a cup of coffee. Like there are so many rooms on clubhouse right. that are for teaching and are for Christians only where people who blaspheme or don't believe are removed. And I am in full support. I'm in those rooms all the time and I love them. That's okay. just not the dynamic here. Got it. So it says, ask a Christian. So I presumed and assumed this was like a Christian place. Of course, people are going to say a lot of bad things, but for them to be a mod and they keep saying Jesus is, you know, nothing. Okay, listen, the so you're mod just, thing. It's yes or no. So Bob, you will Bob have and people. Chris, hold on, I'm talking to Nate. Bob and Chris were going back and forth and Bob was making all these claims about how nasty and mean Chris is, right? And Nate had said when he left, mod anybody, I don't care. It's been too slow around here. It's been, you know, make it ratchet, blah, 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 bye. Have a nice day. So, uh, words have consequences. <laughs> so Chris and Bob are going back and forth, and I tossed Bob a green bean so that the playing field would be even. But I did it because Bob has no idea how Clubhouse works. He can't end the room. He can't throw anybody down. He can't mod anybody else. And so Chris saw he had a green bean, and he was like, oh, my goodness. He immediately tossed Bob to the audience, and then I was laughing. So it was a uh, it was like a, a twelve second thing, uh, and then Bob was let back up on stage and not given another green bean. So that was the situation then. Y'all, this is clubhouse, not church, right? 
tossing Bob a green bean so that he can feel he's on fair ground when talking to Chris for 12 seconds is not the same as handing a microphone to Bob uh, in front of a congregation and allowing I mean, if, him to preach. Like I mean, if, in, in other rooms, it would be that equivalent because there are other rooms where people are teaching and Bob wouldn't even be allowed in the room. This is, this is not one of those. Back. I'll leave. So let me just settle this up because thank you for noticing me and bringing me up because it, I'm shaking from it. Because um, I always love this room. So green bean or not, you're going to have him here saying that all that stuff how, about bad stuff about Jesus, right? No. And there's that's no correct. Okay, thank you. Because yesterday Every was brutal. What? Everything you're saying is incorrect. Like, I, I can't believe you've never been here when I've been here and Bob's here. Like, if it gets really quiet, I'll occasionally bring him up because there's no one else to talk to. And if he's just shooting the breeze like he often does, then, you know, we'll entertain him for a little bit. It usually doesn't take him super long to start saying blasphemous stuff. And when he does, I'm like, Bob, watch it. <laughs> and if he keeps doing that, I just drop him. Because it's annoying. He says the same three things. He's like, you Trinitarians are crazy. Oh, you want to make God laugh. Tell him Jesus is God. I'm like, all right, Bob, thanks for stopping by. And I put him to the audience. And I put him to the audience. Anyway, so, I mean, that's how it goes when I'm here. So, I mean, if, if that's your threshold, then, you know, I apologize. But that's how it is. Like, you know, there's a certain amount of shenanigans we get into. But no, right. I mean, I'm not going to let Thank people, you. like, you know, just like okay. unbridled, like going blasphemous tirades. Like, you know, I'll check that fairly quick. Oh, um, or like, you know, when, when Michael, down. the atheist, you know, is is here, um, surely you've been here when he's been here, um, you know, even though he's an atheist and, you know, he can be really blasphemous with other people, but, uh, you know, he, he respects, I guess, the people in this room enough and, you know, we don't yell and scream at him. So we have like very civil conversations. So, you know, he's here a lot, um, but every now and then he'll say something um, that's that's just like ah oh, man come on um so i mean he's never like crossed a line but you know for example um i don't know someone will say something like um you know i believe the bible because uh, you know i i believe the bible is the word of god he's like oh well, i believe harry potter is the word of god or you know something like that that's clearly like eh so i mean you know if he kept doing it i'm like okay okay we've heard enough we've heard enough so i i, I don't know how to answer your question but kind of what steph says i would like to speak okay so i'm not I'm Brilliant. I'm an author. Okay. I read and write Hebrew. I don't have to say my accolades. Uh, I understand how Clubhouse works and some people are going to come up and say crazy things. I'm not expecting you to mod anybody in a certain way, but that was so over the top that I will just stay in the audience. And if I see him, I will leave. Sounds okay? good. If you're, if, thank you. So it's, Nate, the thing that happened that. yesterday is that Bob wasn't saying anything. I don't know if this is Joanna's first experience with Bob. This Bob was not, he was not on a tirade. He was not preaching. He was not allowed to preach. He was arguing with Chris in the way that he does, where he jabs at Chris for being like, Calvinists think Jesus is God. It was like the same. This is not like some horrible preaching that we were allowing Bob to do. Chris was annihilating him and he was looking as silly as he always does, right? There's nothing like, you can go back and listen to the replay. There's nothing spectacular that you missed where Bob was handed a microphone to, uh, you know, preach. 
wonderful. Okay, thank you for letting me have a say. Lastly, if someone's going to be on stage continually, their whole entire rhetoric is, you're crazy to be a Christian, God, then I just won't be here. And that seems to be just fine and dandy with you guys. Because That's fine and dandy so, with me, yeah. Well, yeah. hang on. Okay, so thanks for playing. I will say, when someone gives me something that you didn't say it, but it seems like an ultimatum, do what you want. Like, I, I will make a fair accommodation to try to reason with people. But ultimately, you know, we do get into shenanigans. We're, you know, kind of like irreverent, not towards God, yeah. but just like irreverent towards culture, or towards personalities. Maybe for you, and if that's not your cup for of tea, I understand. For me, um, if it says ask a Christian, and you guys are Christians that I've looked up. Joanna, I'm sorry. I appreciate that. I'm not going to be scolded. I listened, and I will take your advice. Um, ultimately, this is how it is. So I wasn't there. I wasn't part of that conversation. Um, I tend to trust and believe Steph. So if it was like a 12-second thing for shenanigans sake, whatever. If that's honest to God, your first time you've ever encountered Bob, yeah. So I, I don't know what else to say. Um, I am who I am, and I operate in my convictions led by, I believe, the Holy Spirit. So if I deal with Bob saying, oh, you Christians are crazy a couple more times than you would put up with, then I'm sorry. I'm done apologizing. Thank you for being here. If you won't be here anymore, that's unfortunate. But I would say um, – yeah, to try to bend us to your will um, of what you think is appropriate is infuriating. Um, blessed be. Uh, uh, part of the reason my fuse is a little short on this is that I was in a, a room yesterday morning where Joanna was scolding the mods of that room for not allowing it to be a safe space. And then it was like an hour later that she came here and said the same thing to me. I am sorry, everyone. I will not mod Bob again. I didn't realize how that would be construed. Uh, I totally misunderstood the read of how people were taking that conversation. But I also like this is, as I said to Joanna yesterday, this is not a safe space. Shame on me. I apologize. I will not mod Bob ever again. But Joanna, you can't you can't keep going around Clubhouse telling people that they have to make safe spaces for you. Well, do we have another fun topic? Um, I'm not sure where to go from there. It's been a while since we've been uh, publicly shamed and scolded, yeah, Steph. Like, I mean, for a while there was like four times in a four times in a row. It's it's been a been about a month since we've been uh, publicly scolded for not being the type of person someone else thinks we should be. Yeah, we were overdue, but that was on me. That was probably not. Chris thought it was funny, and then Chris immediately tossed him, which is exactly what uh, I expected Chris to do. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean. You know, it's just some stuff. I mean, like, like if you just did that for like shenanigans sake, I mean, you know, there's been times like, you know, Michael understands that, you know, he, he's not really like a mod in here ever, but there have been times, right? Like when we're about to end the room and I'm just like, Hey, here you go, buddy. Here's your chance to be a mod. And you know, there've been times for like technical difficulties because although he's a, uh, you know, he's an atheist, um, I'm like, Hey man, my computer's going haywire. Can you, can I make you a mod just until I get back? Because I, I trust you enough to, you know, push a couple buttons while I reset my computer. So there's completely practical, pragmatic times or just for giggles. I'm like, Hey, here you go. Take a screenshot. You're an atheist mudding ask a Christian. Ah, ha, ha. And it lasts five seconds. I cannot make apologies for that. That is stupid. If you are deeply grieved by that, you have no sense of humor. And I don't know what to tell you. Um, if it was something like, you know, we were really modding someone who like does not share our, like we're so strict on that. Like, if it's not just for funny, haha, giggle sake for a couple minutes to have some fun, like we're so strict on that. Like we won't mod, you know, like um, 
oneness. We won't mod Unitarians. Like, you know, it's pretty much like we're only modding people who, like, for sincerity's sake, we, we only, like, want people to really talk and give answers and give their biblical input um, if they are, are very closely aligned with what we think is biblical Christianity. So, like, the bar is really high. So it's like because we try to take such care, um, you know, when we're being sincere and it actually matters to have someone who ha- apparently has no idea, like how have they not been in a room with Bob before, um, to just come in here 10 seconds and start scolding us, man, that's bothersome. That, that bugs me. Which is just like the other guy. Remember the other guy who's like, oh, well, you Christians are really hard and you're really this. Nah. And after he, I'm uh, like, okay, dude, just, just sit there and listen. Just sit there and listen. And then after like 30 minutes, he chimes back in and he's like, oh, you know, I, uh, you know, I got to apologize. Like I just heard something really quick and it wasn't at all what I thought it was going to be. So I just have to apologize. And I'm like, well, of course we accept your apology. And, you know, I was nice and polite, but in my head, I'm thinking, why don't you listen for 20 seconds? And then you don't have to be, you know, you won't have to make apologies because you're not talking out of your backside. Um, and, you know, there's room for growth. I'm not perfect. Sorry to let anyone down who thought that, but I'm not perfect. So, you know, when people have criticisms, I mean, I, I try to listen and think, okay, have I done something bad? Is there something I could do better? Sometimes, yes. Um, you know, sometimes, kind of like that, right? It's like, well, how far are you willing to let someone push you into conforming you to their image before you're like, you know what? I can take a nugget of what you said, but to keep on going and not be satisfied with acknowledgement of your grievance. Now I'm convinced you're in the right, or you're in the wrong and I'm in the right. So I don't know. Does that count as a Bible lesson or inspirational thoughts or anything like that? Sure. Man, that, I mean, that was just like a hair trigger, right? Like Joan has been here. Like, you know, we've had great conversations for a long time. And apparently, you know, one little thing she don't like, and now we can no longer be friends. That's like, have you ever seen Tombstone? Of course you haven't. Nope. Watch it. Um, anyways, there's this thing. It's like Doc Holliday. Any idea who that is? Nope. Oh, my Lord. I'm sure All other right. people do. Go ahead. So it's that part in Tombstone where Doc Holliday is like, I'm sorry. I don't think I could like, I, I would like it if we cannot be friends anymore. He's like this Southern gentleman but also like a murderous like gunslinger who's like you know notorious for like being a uh, awesome with like his guns and stuff like that and no one wants to duel him because he, he'll just like destroy them. So anyways, like he helps White Earp. Of course you don't know who that is. It's like cowboy western stuff from Arizona like I know 1890s. who White Earp is. I got that one. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so like uh, it's a story about him and like you know uh, Doc Holliday is like one of his friends that helps him like clean up this town. Uh, Tombstone. Anyway, so uh yeah, there's this bad guy. He's like supposed to be the second biggest like gunslinger that everyone's scared of. Um, but then like Doc Holliday shows up, and um, Johnny Ringo. That's who it was. He's not the best one. That was that was the other guy. Or, uh, anyways, so it's like the bad guy, and he's talking to him, and everyone else is trying to like walk on pins and needles to appease like this bad cowboy outlaw gang because they don't want him terrorizing the town because they can't do anything. So I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry, sir. They're like throwing down their coats for them to walk in mud puddles and all this stuff to appease them. And, you know, because Doc Holliday is just like, well, I'm scarier than they are. He's just like so disrespectful to them. And he's just like walking in and like, just like, you know, bothering them every way he can. Um, <laughs> but they don't want to do anything. So they just take it. So uh, one time he like slapped someone or something like that. And this guy's like getting mad. He's just like livid. And I think Johnny, like, that's wider. I'm getting confused. But anyways, he just, like, keeps poking and keeps poking. He's like, 
do you mean we can't be friends? I don't think I could handle it if we couldn't be friends anymore. Anyway, so long story short, at the end of the movie, he uh, um, wins the duel. They have a duel. He's like, fine. He pushes him too far past his limit. He's like, fine. You want this? You got this. And uh, Holiday kills him. Okay, now I don't have to watch it. No, I butchered it. You need to watch it. I butchered that so bad. <laughs> I was confusing like four characters. You definitely need to watch it. It is a great movie. Well, I think also if uh, if I had been alone up here as a mod, I would not have modded Bob. I would have just ended the room. Uh, my motivation is always to be a thorn in Chris's side. So since Chris was my other mod, it just it seemed like the right move to really bother Chris, and it worked. So sorry. And I'm just going to say this is another fault against Clubhouse. Like, if we had a constant, you know, thoroughfare of people to complain about God um, and talk to us, we wouldn't have to resort to, like, shenanigans like having Bob on stage ever. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, it's Clubhouse's fault. It was too that, boring. I had to mod a heretic. That's yeah. where I'm going. Does that make me part of millennial for blaming other things besides myself? Yes, but it's acceptable. I mean, I guess I'm not to blame because I was, I was not here. Like, I hate that. I legit just got yelled at. I was not even here. It's like, you guys are going to do all this other stuff. Like, bro, I was not here. Well, I was, uh, I mean, I was. Oh, here's Michael. Up and she oh, was watch like, this. Shenanigans. She, Hang on. Here we go. She was like. I thought this room was a safe space. Is this a safe space? And I was like, no. Like, what in the world would make someone think this room's a safe space? Happy green bean day, Michael. There, I did that. If someone wants to complain, complain on that. Uh, Michael, you were mudded for shenanigans, not to, uh, you know, spread your atheistic um, um, hate across Clubhouse. Because apparently well, we let people do that now. Who's worse, Michael or Bob? Because, I mean, in, Bob! in her defense, Bob may be worse because Michael does not blaspheme. <laughs> it probably is Michael is a better mod than Bob. <laughs> well, I mean, the worst Michael will say is, you know, he doesn't believe in his made up. So, I mean, you know, he, thankfully, because, you know, we, we know and, and like each other, um, you know, he, he does it respectfully in this room. You're like, oh, you know, it's all made up. I don't believe it. And that's about as bad as Michael, you know, gets as far as blasphemous. Um, unless someone really makes him mad. But Bob, it's like, you know, Bob claims to be a Christian. So... It's like, you know, if anyone else somehow, if you hear the guy for more than five seconds, you should know. But it's like, you know, at least even Bob is claiming to be a Christian. So it's like, that's that's like extra bad. Because it's like, well, well yeah. Or Michael, he's just like, no, I'm not making any pretense. If you want to know a Christian answer, that is not me. <laughs> What's up, Michael? How do you feel about stumbling into this? Uh... <laughs> uh... Guess what okay. we're talking about. So, what the does topic this, is. so does this have something to do with what was talked about yesterday? Because I kind I came in kind of at the tail end of it. Did you see me mod Bob to to annoy Chris when they were sparring yesterday? No, I didn't see that. When I, I came I in, I did that. Now yeah, I'm in when, when, No, when I came in, Bob was, Bob was on stage, but not a mod. Only Chris was the only one who was on stage that was a mod. So Chris and I were modding and uh, Bob and Chris were sparring and uh, Bob was claiming that Chris was just being mean. So I gave Bob a green bean both to bother Chris and to level the playing field. And it made some people really, really mad. And I've apologized. I'm not laughing. It's not funny. I'm very sorry. Well, P Pastor Mark. Oh, go ahead, Michael. No, it, it's, I mean, it's really interesting. Like, I mean... When so, like I, I get what you're saying, Nate. You know, it's like oh, you know, somebody claiming to be a Christian. I mean, 
I've met, I mean, for the most part, I will just take someone, you know, like you, Will Nate, like at their word. Someone says they're a Christian, okay. Um, you know, then, you know, what I'll do is, you know, I mean, occasionally, you know, I'll throw out the verse, you know, well, you know, by, you know, by their fruits, you will know them, you know, so if someone, you know, like our, you know, our friend who shall not be named, right? <laughs> he calls himself a Christian. I am more Christian than he is. Um, yeah, that's true. You know, but it, it's it, like, it, it's interesting for the most part. I just take like, so, I mean, for someone like, you know, like, like Bob or anybody else, like, uh, okay, you're a Christian. I mean, if, so like when I believed, if someone says, you know, what does it take to be, well, you know, what does it take to be a Christian? What I used to say was, you know, um, you know, believe and to follow the teachings of Jesus. And, you know, and that, that was, that was at the time what I believed made you a Christian. Right. And so if somebody says that they believe and follow the teachings of Jesus, then I'll say, okay, well, I guess you're a Christian. But then there, because we always, we always only and ever act in accordance with our beliefs. Like you will never find someone that acts in, in accordance with something they don't believe. So they'll either demonstrate the truth of their claim that they're a Christian by their actions, or they'll show that regardless of what they say, they're demonstrating something else. Uh, <clears throat> oh, no, did Mark just get a phone call? Yeah, it shows he's on the horn. Oh, boy. I, I have a feeling we're about to get taken to the woodshed. Yeah, I also have that feeling. Someone let me know when, when Mark is off the phone. But... Oh, uh, Pastor Mark, are you off the phone? Nope. Oh, I saw him on mute. He, he unmuted. Uh, buy you me know, one, money bags. If you pull down to get the little refresh icon at the top, it'll show you what's going on. I know, but it doesn't always work. Oh, well, right now it says he's off mute, right? No, he's still got the little phone icon. Oh, well, it shows that he is off mute. So, okay. All right, well, just let me know. Um, uniquely, is it, she says it's not about the green bean. Okay, it's the nonchalant attitude towards blasphemers. So I guess this is tough, right? Because I, if you don't have that attitude, you alienate everyone who doesn't think just like you. Like... If you're doing evangelism and life with people who don't believe like you, then you have to have a tolerance. And tolerance is not permission, right? I mean, like, if you remove everyone from your life who doesn't hold to this position, and I guess some people do, you can live this monk lifestyle. You can live a very godly, uh, you know, life as a good Christian and not have to face any of this. But my experience and the places I keep getting called to are where I'm hard on my sleeve, I'm nonchalant, I'm open, and I'm available to people like Bob who have horrific beliefs. Uh, Bob claims Christianity and thinks that Jesus was just a man, right? He's not the only one on this app who holds that position and claims Christianity. Um, I could put my foot down and say that I want nothing to do with him and I'll never talk to him and da da da. 
Instead, I engage with conversa- in conversation with Bob repeatedly in the hope that if people don't alienate and isolate him and he has exposure to this truth over and over, he'll see that good, calm, rational people hold to this opinion. So rather than being, or I shouldn't say opinion, hold to this fact, right? You're with me here. So rather than being unavailable to Bob, I make myself available to Bob. This is not permissive and it I don't think it harms my witness. And if someone else feels convicted to do something differently, and that's the way they're going to evangelize, then amen. We are, we are called to evangelize differently for good reason. My method of evangelism has always been to be very available to people of different beliefs so that they know that they can come to me. And when I tell them something, it's with good intention. Does that make sense? Like, I don't want anyone to walk away thinking that I'm permitting the way God believe, the, the way that Bob believes. But again, I am fully available to Bob. Well, yeah, yeah and, and also, that like, makes... Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. You go ahead. You go ahead. No, you go. You go. Well, no, it's like, like, for me, it's just... And, and it's funny because, like, that's one of the things that I like about you, Steph, is that, like, the, so, like, the way you're saying you live, you know, with your heart and your sleeve, open all this other stuff. That, to me, that's where the good stuff is, right? I've always been a firm believer in that you don't have anything to gain if you don't have something to lose. So you put yourself out there... And, and that's where the, that's where the good stuff is, you know, those old, you know, kind of cliche sayings, you know, varieties of spice of life, all that stuff. Right. So, you know, I, you know, I spend the overwhelming majority of my time, free time talking to people I disagree with and it's, it's more fun. It's more engaging. I'm not interested in living in an echo chamber. So, I mean, I, I would look at people who kind of like talk about what you were saying, Steph, like kind of, you know, quote unquote, the, the monk lifestyle, Right isolating yourself and surrounding yourself with people that just agree with you that's boring like i'm not into that at all and like um um what was i gonna say um a couple things it, well yeah and also like what constitutes blasphemy right since i wasn't here but i'm just imagining because we've talked to bob a thousand times you know if he first of all if he's making fun of calvinism that's not blasphemy that's just funny like if he wants to poke chris that's fine that, that's not even in the realm of this um you know, the, the biggest thing he, he talks about that would be blasphemous is, you know, he disagrees with the Trinity and that Jesus is God. So also, if that's, that's his, you know, if, if that's his sincere belief, though, like, is he really like mocking and blasphemous or is he like trying to argue his point like we discussed with so many people? Because you can't say that is, is blasphemy. I mean, you could say it's blasphemous, but I mean, it's not like he's actively trying to like mock us or, or get what I mean. Like, or like Brandon with his oneness. It's not like he's actively trying to to mock us or blaspheme God. It's like he actually believes this stuff. So Bob is like, well, here's why Jesus is not God. And it's like, oh, we're trying to have a logical conversation to convince each other. I wouldn't put that in the blasphemous category. Um, but if he's like, you know, whenever he's like, like actually blaspheming, like, you know, the Trinity or whatever, like, oh, it's all nonsense. That's bull. That's rubbish. Ah. Like, you know, I mean, that's usually when Bob finds himself in the audience. I'm like, all right, Bob, you're not going to do that. So, I mean, what are the categories? And then, you know, everyone is called to be different things. We're not all part, you know, we're all different parts of the same body of Christ, like evangelizing. So, like, you know, if this room is a uh, very good, well-manicured left hand, uh, you know, (laughs) having fun, getting in shenanigans, nonetheless, believing the gospel and sharing with people, and someone that thinks they're a little more righteous than maybe we should be and we're bad, maybe they're a toenail. Um, maybe they need to start their own little toenail room and, you know, do it just the way they think. So, you know, we're all different parts of the same body. So 
we, we may be a strong right hand and they may be a foot fungus. <laughs> yeah. And just, just to, like, for me, the people that I keep in my closest circles are Christians, right? My best friends are Christian. My husband's a Christian. Like I'm not, I'm not going to invite Bob to give me advice on a spiritual topic. There are, there are boundaries that I would have with Bob, but being silly with Bob, I don't think is quite in the realm of like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's a line there somewhere, but it's well, okay I think, to just kind of be yeah, people with people. I think we've explained it more than we need to. I think uh, that's just the way it is. Is Pastor Mark still Mark on the phone? Mark is off the phone, yes. Oh, Pastor Mark, uh, me and Steph both think we're about to get taken to the woodshed by you. And um, I would just ask that you you do her first. <laughs> hey, how you guys doing? Wow, <laughs> hey. thanks, Nate. No, no, no woodshed at all. Um, yeah. Actually, I just was preaching on Sunday on Romans 16, and near the end of the chapter, it deals with something about this. Uh, You know, we're trying to reach people. I think that's what you're doing. Matter of fact, I know that's what you're doing. You have this room because you want to reach people with the truth. First, the truth of the gospel for people to be saved, and then for other truths that can help Christians uh, be what they ought to be. I know that's kind of your purpose. And as Steph said, it's not the same as church. It's not, you know, it's different. It is kind of like, you know, witnessing out on the street and you put up a, with a lot because you want to get through to people. And sometimes you have to listen to people to get an audience uh, with them and let them listen to you. But the verse that I wanted to bring out was about uh, biblical separation. And biblical separation is not isolation. It's not like, you know, we're not around any unsafe people. We never go around atheists. We never go around. No, because then you wouldn't be able to influence them. And and we believe that there's power in the scripture. So if we use the Bible, people can be changed. We can't change them, but the scripture can change people. And so that's why if there are people that frequent this room who are not believers, and sometimes you have to let them do some talking. Okay. Because we want the opportunity to get the scriptures to them that can change and convince them. The verse I wanted to read was Romans 16, uh, verse 17 and 18. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ but their own belly, and by good works and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. So that verse is talking about people that uh, teach false things, cause divisions by their teaching, and then people that cause offenses by their teaching. And that's not like, you know, oh, I'm offended at that. No, it means cause to sin. So people that will teach false practices. So false doctrine and false practices and we treat false teachers differently than we te- treat um, unsaved folks who are not false teachers. Like if Michael was, I know I hate to talk about you in third person, you're right here, but if Michael was uh, teaching atheism and, and pushing atheism, well, that would be different, right? He would then be, in our view, a false teacher. And then the verse says, you mark them, which means make it obvious to everybody, and then you avoid them. And so it might be with Bob claiming to be a Christian 
and teaching false doctrine that there comes a time when we need to mark him and avoid him. Another verse says, you know, after the second and third admonition, you reject. And what that does is it warns everybody else. It makes sure that nobody else gets influenced by them. Now, I've never felt like Bob was having a big influence in this room anyway, so I don't think you handled it wrong with him. But there is a time with false teachers to mark and avoid, and that's different from somebody who just doesn't believe like us, who's in here and mostly listening, and yeah, different. Yeah, and I completely agree. And yeah, I mean, I think dude's been marked a long time, but it's hard, right? So like, what are my... You know, like whenever, whenever there's anyone else to talk to, like, you know, yesterday, Bob was the first one in here to raise his hand. I'm like, ah, all right, let's see what happens. But today he was in here and there was like, you know, I actually chose silence. Like, like no one else wanted to speak. Bob had his hand raised. I, I didn't do it. I just ignored it. I'm like, we've had enough of him yesterday. I'm done. Um, but whenever I invite him up, it's never to have deep spiritual conversations. It's because there is no one else to talk to. Um, so on one hand, it's like, well, yeah, we, we get it. Like, you know, he, dude's a false teacher all day long. Um, I don't want that spread in my stage. Um, but my alternative is to sit in silence or I guess just start reading the Bible. Um, so maybe I should just do that. But anyway, yeah, I, I agree with you, Mark. And I appreciate that. Are you sure you don't want to reprimand Steph for something? Anything? Anything at all? <laughs> you gotta, Come you on, gotta man. I am extremely relieved right now, though. Well, uh, Connie, I mean, we saw your hand raised. We tried to get up here, Connie. Yeah, Mark. I mean, the, only, the only thing I'd say is um, part of marking and avoiding uh, is not giving the impression that you endorse or approve. And it is kind of on Clubhouse that the green bean is kind of endorse and approve. So that's the only thing. And I understand maybe it's just a joke for 12 seconds or whatever, but, but like you have Michael with the green bean now. So, you know, that kind of says endorse and approve. To me, to me, that's oh, how I it. Yeah, I agree. That was supposed to be a joke. I thought the room was ending. <laughs> now you gotta boot him, poor Michael. I'll find Good a morning. way to survive. I, I'm not. I, I, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, when you know better, do better. Uh, Michael, enjoy today. I have to leave soon anyway. But yeah, I, I agree. I agree, Mark. Um, and again, I'm sure someone's like taking screenshots right now and be like, "You modern an atheist." Ah. Uh, Mark, what do you say at some point? Like, you know, where do you just uh, stop trying to people please? And it's like, you did this wrong. You did this wrong. Well, I mean, you're a pastor. I'm sure you've got this before. Like, you know, you, you could have done this better. You could have done this softer. You could have done this nicer. And you want to be like, yes, I could have. Yes, I will. Yes, I will do that. And at some point you're like, okay, man, you're clearly in the wrong. You are way too picky. No, I'm not making any more concessions. I'm right. You're wrong. Where's your uh, deciding line for that? Yeah, um... Actually, I think you're doing really well, Nate. But yeah, you humbly take the criticism. And I don't usually say, no, okay, just leave me alone. I just say, well, thanks for your input. And then if I don't agree with it, okay. But I do evaluate all the input that comes in. And a lot of times it's good input. So I don't ever want to shut that down. Uh, even if it's input, that, okay, here, here they come again. This is just a stupid person. That's all right, because I can put up with that. And I just say, well, thanks. So definitely consider that. Of course, after a while, they see that you've already considered it. And if, <laughs> if they have any brain, they just quit quit telling you the same thing over and over. But if not, I can put up with that. You know, just show them, show them some deference. There. 
I think also with Clubhouse, like I've been on here three years, right? So it's like different people have different, like different rooms have different cultures, you know? Like, for example, if um, I'm trying to think of somebody who's still around because the app has changed everything. I guess if uh, if Pastor Sam is modding a room and I go up there and he mods me, right? I don't mod anybody in his room. Like, I, it's not my decision. He's teaching. He's doing his thing. I'm not going to, like, hand that out. That's, that's his thing. And uh, so, you know, there are different rooms where that would be wildly unacceptable. But this is sort of like always a evangelistic sort of chill space i think what i've learned from this is that i need to reconsider how far i'm willing to go to annoy chris that's the lesson that i have to take away from this man i don't know like i mean if if what you say is true which i'm sure it is like if it was for like 12 seconds or like a gag and you're like ha 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 now he's in the audience like man no one can condemn that rightly like i mean you could i mean not really but you could almost mod the devil for 12 seconds. Be like, oh, just kidding, devil. Aha, not today, Satan. Um, but I mean, I mean, right now I've done worse by modding Michael for like 20 minutes. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Michael, someone asks, uh, let's see, why do we treat Michael the way we do? I'm imagining that means like respectful and nice, I hope, because um, we are. But I, I, would, I would think the question would be, why do we treat you so like, you know, if it's a positive way and not necessarily other people? Well, you tend to get, you know, give what you get or get what you give. So, you know, I mean, I, Michael tells me, I haven't researched greatly, but I can imagine, um, you know, then in other rooms, when people are really like obnoxious and like poking him, he'll poke back pretty fiercely. Um, but since that's not really the style here, that's not really what he does here. So, I mean, I, I like Michael, I respect Michael and, you know, we definitely disagree on the religious stuff. Um, but he seems like a good person. So, I mean, I, I hope we treat him nicely is where you're going with that. And why we may be short with other people. Well, we get what we give. And, and it's bad, right? So, like, I, I don't know. Like, from a, from a Christian standpoint, I almost think we should be harder on Christians, um, you know, because you're, you're trying to carry the, the name of the same religion I'm a part of. Uh, so that, that comes with, like, a, you know, a heavier burden because I'm attached to it. So if Michael, you know, wants to, like, say something bad that his atheist counterparts – uh, or atheist colleagues would disagree with, that's not on me. Like, maybe they want to chastise them for promoting the wrong type of atheism. So it's easier to treat people who aren't even claiming to be Christians um, nicer and give them more leniency than people who say they believe exactly what I do and then act like a crazy person. Um, so so many times, uh, you know, people who say they're Christians will get moved to the audience quicker than not Christians. Anyways, what, what's up, Michael? Yeah, no, it's interesting. So yeah, I'm just trying to think like you've, uh, yeah, I am certain that you have never moved me to the audience. Like, like I am a hundred percent certain, like with the exception of, uh, Hey, you know, uh, like for optics or something where like, like there's been times you've modded me to invite someone up that you couldn't get the invite to for some reason it wasn't working. You're like, Hey, can I mod you for a second? Or where you've had to restart your modem or something, something like that. And then for optics, you've kicked me back down and I've come back up, but never because of like conduct, for example. And it's interesting because well, like what you said, there's a lot of truth in what you just said, for example, except the religious stuff. Um, there's uh, – uh, I get a lot of – I get a lot of crap from other atheists about the same thing. 
Why do you spend so much time around Christians? Why do you spend so much time engaging with them? Why aren't you harder on them? Why aren't you pushing them more? I get that all the time. And to what? And to the the first thing you said, kind of so kind of going in reverse order. It would take you about twenty seconds to search me um, being incredibly uncharitable to others. Like you could find audio slash video of me being pretty raunchy and pretty uh, pretty mean to people, but it's because they've done the same to me, right? So, and I'm not saying that that's good, good, bad, or, or otherwise. But like very much, you know, you 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 know, getting what you give. I I totally I totally agree with that. Um, on the podcast that we do, it is very much NSFW. But any single, every single solitary time we've had a believer on, like Nate, we are respectful of the position that the guest is coming from. And as a result, I don't drop twenty five f bombs in the first three minutes like I do with any other guest. Anyway, that's my my that's my two cents worth for that. Hey, Brad, what's up? Maybe I'm just kidding. <laughs> Are you speaking, Brad? I broke oh, the room. I was talking to my mom. I didn't hear you say address me, but but I came up because uh, right before Mark started talking, Pastor Mark like laid everything out, everything he said I was going to say. So. So, yeah, because we have to engage the world as Christians. I mean, what do we do when we go to the grocery store? Do we just, like, you know, you know, like, turn a deaf ear? Because you, you really can't. You know, and I, I think that's why, you know, like, the Bible, you know, gives us provision of, of how to walk a certain way and all that kind of stuff, but not in a way where it's like, you know, like, like Joanna, for instance, I, like, I don't want to pick on her and stuff, but the way that she was doing, I mean, you're not going to win people like that. That That's not how you win people. I mean, that, there comes a point that, that, like, if you get that way, the only way you should get that way is if, like, if, like, Michael, for instance, started pushing his belief of atheism on us and was getting kind of forceful about it, then that's when you start kind of, kind of, you know, punch him back or, or whatever. But most generally, I mean, when people are like that, I have a cousin that's like that. Like, man, he was afraid to do anything. And I was like, dude, come on, man. Like one country song, come on the radio and he's flipping it and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, you know, what What are you going to do? Like you go to the grocery store, they play that stuff. What are you going to do? You can't like, you know, you can't tell people not to play it because and the God of this world is blinded eyes. That's what Second Corinthians chapter four says. So you have to understand, like, like you know, when you go out in public, when when you're in places like this, you have to understand that there's going to be all types of people. So the first thing that we have to do as believers, and I think you guys do a really good job at this in this room, is is where we just we come in and we just understand across the board that all kinds of people are going to show up. And and so we just try our best to navigate and and be a witness and and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know, man. That stuff just rubs me the wrong way every time I hear it. Well, I appreciate that, Brad. And and it, it is weird, right? Because it it, it stinks that you know Joanna has been here for a long time, and we've had really good conversations. But I guess for whatever reason, it's like I don't know if you love something, set it free. If it comes back, it was meant to be. Maybe along those guidelines. So it's like. You know, we, I don't think it would be, I actually don't think it would be right to, to try to like, 
you know, placate and be like, no, we won't allow that ever again. We won't allow that. We won't allow that. Like that. I'm sure that's the wrong answer. I may not have a perfect answer, but I know that's the wrong one. So it's like, well, look, if we're just not your people, if you need a time away, then, you know, that stinks, but okay. I mean, you know, you got to do you. Like, I, I don't, um, you know, it could be some kind of pride thing, like ultimatums. Like, if you ever do that again, I will not come back. Uh, bye. So, I mean, it, it could be some kind of pride thing I should work on. But on the other hand, I don't think it's necessarily wrong. So it's like, you know, if you want to do an ultimatum to have me, like, you know, change what I feel I should be doing, I can take some criticism. So I, if I get a little carried away sometimes, like, <laughs> you know, we, we've gone pretty far off the rails from time to time. And I'm like, ah, yeah, I could probably, I could dial that back a little bit. Um, I get it. But, um, <laughs> you know, to change the whole the whole idea, that that's just being something we're not. Um you know, and, and that needs to be filled, right? If you just want to uh, Bible study believers, or, you know, like if someone's a new Christian, like I get that, how that would be bad um, to, to be in a room where you're, you're able to, you different people are in different places in their walk, right? In life, with God and life and jobs, marriage, whatever. So if, if you're kind of like, like Paul says in Romans 14, like if you're like a weak Christian who only eats vegetables or who, who just got out of a cult and can only hang around with like very, holy, godly people and not have your beliefs challenged or questions or just be built up in the faith, then be that person. But that's not this room. Um, I'd like it to be, but it's not. Um, but if you're, you know, a, a Christian that's more firm in your faith and you can hear conversations where people are dialoguing back and forth about, you know, why the Bible is right, why someone thinks the Bible is wrong, if you can stand that, well, then that's exactly what this is. Um, so, you know, can't be all, can't be everything to everyone or whatever. Um, but I would say also, I, I just keep thinking like, and but like if someone just goes on like a cursing tirade or just says like disgusting, like, you know, sexual things about like, you know, your God, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm just not going to put up with that because that's not even like a religious point at that part. Yes. It's blasphemous, but you wouldn't even say that in your work with like a bunch of atheists. Like, you would just get, like, called into HR and fired for that kind of language. So uh, just know, like, across the board. It has, like, less to do with religion and more to do with you just have, like, zero respect for anyone you're talking to. So if you just think it's the Internet and that's no big deal, well, to me it is. I mean, you know, just keep it business casual. Like, if you'll get talked to at HR for it, don't do it here. <laughs> um, on the other hand, you know, like, the people who murder Jesus – like, as they're blaspheming him, as they're actually murdering him, he's like, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. So, I'm like, if Jesus can deal with people murdering him as he's forgiving them, you know, we could probably put up with some unkind things said about him while we try to reason our way to why the Bible is true and they should follow it. Um, anyway, those are just my thoughts. Uniquely, what's up? Hey, everyone. Blessings. Um, Morning. Good morning. I wasn't in the room with that, but honestly, I mean, I'm very familiar with Bob Bell. The, the, sorry, I just trying to drink my coffee so I can wake up. Um, Bob the Builder, very familiar with him. He get on my nerves. But um, and as far as the green bean thing, like I know stuff already. It it was as a as a joke, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not even going to take that seriously. What I think people are taking this whole green bean thing way too seriously, if you ask me. You know, <clears throat> that's just me personally. Like, if I come on stage, I don't need a green bean. I don't even care for one. Because, 
for some reason in some of these rooms, the green being is like, now you have this authority and this power and control, you know, to do all these these things, kick people out. I don't know. It's it's just <laughs> it's just too much for me. <clears throat> but um, I was just thinking as you was talking, Nate. You are definitely funny. I I enjoy a good laugh. I'm not gonna lie. But um, you know, like with the HR thing, that that's hilarious. Anyway, um, I don't know how you guys do it. But I definitely want to give you your credit and applaud you. You know, I feel like everything that's happening on Clubhouse, I don't think everybody is, you know, like for me personally, I'm not an apologist, you know. I I can't go up and, and start debating everybody and from all different denominations and beliefs. And, you know, I just feel like I'm... My gift is to be able to talk to people, to spread the gospel, you know, and um, in a casual conversation. Um, And not everybody is, I, I don't think God is calling everyone to be able to debate every single uh, denomination, issue, belief, religion, you know what I'm saying? Some people are made for that. Like atheism, you guys can handle that part perfectly because you don't, you know, like, like Steph, I understand what you're saying, you know, and my apologies for the nonchalant comment. But, but you know what, if you're nonchalant about things, good, because thinking about it, certain people you got to handle in that, in that way, you know, so that you're not leading them astray. Because if you, you blow up and you lose your temper right away. I, I know personally people on this app that they won't be able to go up against the atheist. That's for sure. Because I used to go in mass mix rooms and hear him um, speaking with atheists and, and even you guys. You know, that's why I come in here because I'm still learning, you know. Um, and I realized some people are made for, okay, you're going to go up against Hebrew Israelites, you're going to go up against Calvinists, you're going to go up against atheists, but to go up against everybody in that, you know, that carries those titles, it's not, it's not for you sometimes. Sometimes you just got to step back and let those people who God has called for that purpose to handle that. I don't know if y'all, y'all following me, but yeah, absolutely. And I'm very relieved because I thought you were mad and I'm glad you're not mad. Uh, you don't need to apologize. <laughs> you don't need to apologize for the comment because here's the thing, right? Is that it's something that I need to hear because I am very comfortable and I don't know if this is what I'm called to or what. I am very comfortable being surrounded constantly by atheists and people who are hostile to Christianity. And you know, I rambled on and on the other day about sort of the story of how I came to Christ and it was in the midst of that. Um, and I almost like I have related, oh my gosh, this is going to, I'm a bad Christian. Who are the, the ones who were taken captive and they were Israelites and they only ate vegetables when everyone else was eating meat. And then they had, who was that? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Was Abednego. that them? Okay. I wasn't sure if that was the same guys. Okay. 
So <clears throat> I'd always related to that story because I have no problem proudly, happily sitting there and eating my vegetables in the midst of a bunch of atheists, right? And the thing is that the track record that I have is that, and I think I do this because, you know, a pastor very young, when I was very young, a pastor that I trust very much um, had said, like, we don't, you don't stand up and yell when you're fishing. You know, the, that's how you scare the fish away. You sit there and you fish and they come to you. And so I had always like really acted that way. And I pray that God keeps me solid and he always has. And that's why I said when I gave my testimony, like, I don't know why I'm still a Christian. <laughs> like the Lord, I'm never around other Christians. You know, I have my church and everything, but um, it's not, it's not the culture where I live at all. It's very underground and very quiet. We don't have Christian events here. We don't have Christian concerts. We don't have Chick-fil-A because Cornell uh, protested it because they're Christian. Like it's very, very, very hostile where I am. And the college environment that I was in was very, very hostile. And I saw people develop interest in why I behaved differently. So then I got this positive reinforcement of like, if I'm in groups like this and I behave differently, it actually brings the fish to me. And then I can sit down and make the cup of coffee and have the conversation, right? So I think that it's a good criticism that you gave, Unique, because I d I'm not always sensitive to people who don't feel that way. Like, that's what I'm called to. And I don't think that it, everyone else is. And sometimes the behavior can look flippant. So I'm glad you said what you said. And yeah, I appreciate it too. Uniquely, I would just say, I, I wanted to make a joke that would probably be inappropriate about go ahead and sow that seed today. Um, but probably inappropriate. Um, and Steph, Ratchet is not a spiritual gift. And Michael, um, cozy up on this uh, hook, uh, little fish. <laughs> har har. Um, yeah, no, it, it, it is interesting. And it, uh, it's funny. Um, it, it's... <sighs> going, yeah, uh, yeah, Stephanie, I, uh, I, I agree with a lot of what you've said and, and the, and the way, you know, in, in which you say it. And it's, and it's interesting, I think for the same reason why you've never had a problem, um, quote unquote, defending, right. Against a, you know, room full of people who, you know, who, who don't believe, um, I've never had a problem going into rooms full of people who do, and just kind of talking and like, you know, kind of, um, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, tongue in cheek, kind of throwing myself on the altar of questions. You know, yeah, you got a question for me? Ask me. You know, there'll be things I can answer, and there'll be some things I'll say. You know, I don't know. Um, and it's and it's. I, I think there's there's good stuff in that because in the same way, like there are lots of, I think present company excluded, um, people who think that, you know, that 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 atheists are just you know is kind of like you know, just go around in, you know, dens of debauchery all the time and, and all this other stuff. Um, and, and that, of course, that's not the case, right? Like they're like, of like the three, you know, like, so my, my, myself, my wife and my daughter, right? We are all atheists and we are three completely different kind of brands of that. Um, my daughter is closer, a little bit closer to me, but still not in the same way. And, but my wife is very much like, go along and get along. She's like, you know, hey, you know, I don't, you know, that's that's not what I believe, but you know, you do you, no harm, no foul. I'm not, you know, let's not, let's just talk about the weather instead, right? And um, like my mom always used to say, it takes all kinds to make the world go round, and I think that that's very true. Um, so anyway, I'm not sure where I was going with that, but more thoughts on a random Tuesday. 
<clears throat> Nate, I wanted to bring up something you said earlier. Uh, you asked, uh, where do you draw the line where, you know, you you want people to be pleased and, but, you know, and you're not pleasing everybody and where you draw the line. So I, I want to think, I want to draw the line at day one, okay? Uh, Galatians 1 says, do I now persuade men or God? Do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. So that doesn't mean, you know, you say, well, who cares what people think? No, but you please God. And then in pleasing God, you're not going to be obnoxious and rude and drive people away. You're going to handle different situations differently. Um, when Steph gave her long testimony, um, Michael responded after I, I afterwards gave a quick gospel presentation. And Michael said it came across kind of like forceful or uh, he didn't say those words, but in your face, but something like that. And then I said, well, if I was in your living room, I would address it differently if we were having a conversation back and forth. But I was just seeking to um, give the gospel there. So, you know, as long as God's pleased, then whoever else is supposed to be pleased will be. And if they're not, as long as the Lord's pleased, that's the main thing. And then I remember Jesus in John 8, 29, he said, I do always those things that please him, please the Father. And that's a goal for all of us to be able to, we'll never get there, but to be able to strive for that. I want to always please God. And if God's pleased, it doesn't really matter who else is. Yeah, and I remember that. Yeah, and I, I remember that, uh, Mark, when we were, it was just, I think, pretty sure that was just last week um, when we were having that. And it was, and but what was interesting, and I would encourage an, uh, anyone listening to this now to go back and find that, I can't remember the day. Just go back and listen to all the replays um, and find that discussion where it was um, mostly Steph, Mark, and I going kind of going back and forth. And it was it was after Steph, you know, had shared, you know, very, very heartfelt um, testimony. And and it was it, it was really good. And it was a, another good example of people having differing opinions and still being able to coexist in a completely um human way. Yep. And I think for Christians, the, the, there's a line somewhere. And I think this is what unique had properly identified is what counts as permission or endorsement, right? Like, and, and this is where it gets tricky. And in, in the spaces I'm in where it's mostly unbelievers, where usually I'm the only Christian, I always get pegged as being like, Oh, Steph is so innocent. Ha ha ha. But then Usually I tend to be pretty well liked overall. Um, but, you know, I always I always develop this like maternal sort of reputation or this kind of very innocent or naive reputation. And I tend to be fine with that because it's like, yeah, well, if you're going to peg my faith as naivety, I, I, that's OK. But, you know, if you have a real problem, I, I know I'm the one you're going to come to. Um, so, you know, all that to say, I guess, like. There's a line somewhere where like a couple of things you've said, Michael, are like, oh, it takes all sorts to make the world go around. And from the atheist point of view, I understand that. That makes sense. People can have their faith in Buddha and people can have their faith in God and people can have their faith in Muhammad and whatever. Right. Um, so that's where the Christian would be like, well, no, we still think you're super wrong. <laughs> we still want you to come over to, you know, to the truth because we're concerned for your eternal soul and all that. Um, but you just you you can never legislate people coming to truth. 
You can never force people to come to truth. You can persuade, right? Like, what is that book that uh, that Chris is always talking about with parenting and the title is like, you can't make me, but I can be persuaded. And that's, that's very much like, I think the most effective persuasion is not with words, it's with action and demeanor. Um, so it, it becomes like, I hear comments like, oh, it takes all sorts to make the world go round. And then I have to make a decision like, do I correct the atheist that, yeah, the vast majority of that is pretty dysfunctional and wrong? Uh, or do I just smile and nod? And that's where it gets tricky is, is like, you can't, you can't always go around correcting everybody because you end up, you know, alienating yourself. So that evangelism in real life, you know, where you're walking around and you're at the grocery store and you're just behaving, that is tricky. Brad swiped. Yeah, for sure. And, and I, and, and I agree with you, Steph, like, you know, it's like, because, because in the same way, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm also just very, just aware right of where i am right because you know in another in another venue i would be more forceful right so you know but but i completely agree with what you said you know it's like you know it's like yes it takes all kinds to make the world go round and where where you kind of said yeah you know but you're you know you, you walk this fine line because you are convinced you know that that you know that let's just narrow it down to me that i'm wrong and all that other stuff cool and I am also convinced that you are wrong, right? And, you know, but, you know, we have to kind of walk this fine line. But the one, the one thing that you said that I, without caveat, disagree is we have no control, right, over what it is that, that convinces us of the truth of something, right? And this is something Nate and I have talked about a lot too, and I know he agrees wholeheartedly as well. Um, and that you will like when we we're talking before about people, you know, their actions and stuff like that, and people acting in accordance with their beliefs. Um, that's the, you know, and whatever metaphor you want to throw, you know, more bees with, you know, honey, like whatever it is you want, the metaphor you want to throw at it. Actions in that way, I think will speak, not always, but have the capacity to speak louder than your words ever will. And, and, but I understand that you also have to walk this fine line because one of the things that, um, almost every Christian I've ever come across, um, you know, will want to do also is to, you know, is to share the good news. Right. And so I, I, I get all those things, but it's, you know, it's a very interesting kind of social interaction dance that we, uh, that we go through and I like it. Yeah. And for the record, I do totally believe that you can, you can choose what you believe. Every time I hear somebody say that, I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, I understand the philosophical defense behind it and the whole, like, go convince yourself that Santa Claus exists. Like you, you could, you could convince yourself given enough time that Santa Claus exists. So I, I just inherently disagree with that one, but that's a whole other topic. Yeah. You and Nate fight that out. Wait, the Hallmark movies told me. Not my very own, not my movies. Mark's life. <laughs> Hallmark movies. Not, not, the, not the new ones, the old Hallmark movies. Yeah. I was just going to say that, Steph, that you and me have the same approach when it comes to, like, people and, and engaging people. I, I, I think the, I think that, and who who said that, uh, was it you that was talking about the fishing thing where the fish come to you? I mean, yep. that that's, that's kind of how I do it. I, can, I, I do it like that, too. I don't, I don't. Like when I worked at Walmart, I, I worked at Walmart for like two years and that taught me not to like put out in the open that you're a Christian. Just 
do it by your character and all that kind of stuff. Believe the word, you know, as you're working, put your faith on it while you're working, stuff like that, and then you'll bear the fruit or whatever. And so that's usually how I do it. I don't, I don't, and, and what I like to do is I have a, um, uh, a really, um, strong desire to really get to know the other person and their viewpoint. Like, and, and I think that that's very important that in this day and age, especially like some of the circles I've been in, in Christianity, a lot of times, um, we just hear long enough to speak instead of really understanding and, and prayerfully understanding when, when you're like hanging out with people, you know, we got to listen more to them than we talk, you know? And so what I would do when I worked at Walmart, like people would ask me back in the break room, why are you like that? Like that dude ripped you a new one. You didn't do nothing. Why are you like that? And I'm like, well, this is why, you know? And, and so I would kind of lay it out and I'd say, I'm not perfect, but God's working on me with it. And so once you take that approach and, um, you know, kind of like, uh, kind of like, you know, I'm, I've engaged all kinds of people. I've, I'm, I've talked to like homosexuals. I've talked to all kinds of people, you know, and, uh, I've asked them all kinds of questions, you, you know, and, and when it comes to an edgy part of the conversation, I'll kind of back off for a minute and I'll say, no, I want to say something or I want to ask you something, but I am no, by no means trying to condemn you or anything like that. I just want to understand, help me understand why you chose this what why why did you do this or whatever and and i think that i think there's a little bit of an art to it where you know we have to understand how to engage people because when you go fishing you may put a worm on the hook but it may not work you may have to use a jig or something like that and that may may cause the fish to bite or something like that you know what i mean so so you just kind of have to gauge it and you have to be willing and able to, to just do it like that. One of the things that, that I learned when I was preaching was um, I, I, would always, I would always leave it up to Jesus. Like I would always put it on his shoulders. Like, like when I would pray about, you know, he would give me the message. But what I would do is I would write my, write my outline and all that kind of stuff. But then as it got closer for me to preach... I, w I would pray about the church. I would pray about the hearts being open. And, and I would just simply say, Jesus, you, you told your disciples to, to follow you. You didn't say that, that, you know, you follow us, you know, and, and that you're the head of the church. So we need to follow your direction. So father, I just pray that you bring the people in that, that you, you draw them by your grace because it's by grace through faith that we're saved and not by, by our works or anything like that. So I would just kind of leave it like that. And I would watch God just, just, you know, bring the people in without us even advertising. And, and he just, he just has a way of doing that. And so, you know, I, I think that, I think that once we approach it like that, where we just kind of get to know people, then it allows God and people are more receptive to the gospel when you give it to them. Like when you hit those hard, those hard, you know, areas, they're more receptive to, you know, well, hey, this is why this is wrong. And one of the things me and my buddy Eric do, we, we always say, this ain't our words, this is what the word of God says. 
And so, and so, you know, we'll take, we'll take people through the word of God and say, what does that say right there? And they'll read it and they'll be like, okay, is that my words? And they'll say no. And so it kind of takes it off of us that once they get upset, it's like, well, you're not mad at us. You're mad at the word of God. <laughs> you know what it means? <laughs> so I, I think that once you, once we adopt that and stuff, it's easier to, to you know hit those hard areas and stuff because i have a cousin that's like joanna you know he would hang his head out of the vehicle you know as we was driving down the road and just condemn people and i'm like that's not how you do it brother that i mean that's it, i mean there, there's a time and a place to bring that but that's that's not it dude you don't come right at him with condemnation brother you you got to get to know him and he just couldn't get it and so you know i i don't know i i think I think, you know, I, I think that our approach is the same, and I think that's why we get along so well. Yep, I agree. But not everyone can evangelize like that, right? There are plenty of people who've, who've come to faith through hearing debate. Like, that's kind of how it happened for my husband. He was watching, like, all these, you know, debates with different people, and then he became persuaded by the reasonableness of the Christian debaters. And so, I, I you know... I. I think that if everyone evangelized via debate or everyone evangelized on a personal like living room level, it would be not as effective as it is. But God is wise and he designed everybody to do this in different ways. And so the different people are reached. So, yeah, I'm with you, Brad. But there's plenty of people who do it differently, too. Each yeah, one, reach uh, one. Amen. I think there the bottom go. line, bottom line would be the scripture teaching obviously jesus is the first one that told us about being fishers of men and that of course is a great illustration you got to go to the fishing hole you got to put some bait on the line but at the same time um like brad said it, we have to do it all in reliance on the holy spirit but what i was thinking as we were talking here is our witness has to be both life and lips it has to be the way we live but it also has to be us actually giving the words of the gospel from the scripture. It has to be both. And there's some Christians, they witness all by life, you know, and well, I just live it before them. And well, the Bible says go and preach the gospel to every creature. So <laughs> they're not obeying that part. And then other people, you know, they'll, they'll tell other people and give out gospel tracts and like Brad said, yell out windows and crazy stuff like that. But then they're not they're not living it, okay? They're not treating people with kindness and love. They're not, um, you know, they're not paying their debts. They got all kinds of other issues. So it's got to be life and lips. And none of us are perfect at either of those. So you just start where you are. And I found if you focus on lips and giving the gospel, it motivates you then to get some things right in your life. Yes. But people who wait so they get their life all straightened out to witness, they never end up witnessing and they don't get to see. That is a good point. Uh, the fruit. Yes, yes. I can't tell you 